You gotta ask daddy. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. This whole thing is very, very spooky. The further I got into it, the more I liked it. Excuse me, what? Oh my God, yes. He has, uh, I think, 69 million subscribers. Most indeed. Uh, I mean, yes. I like to be a little spooked out, I guess. Appreciate the help, Bowler. Are you kidding right now? Look at those guys. Wow. That's why his body fell apart. That, 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 that guy's probably a dancer. What? I'm a supporter of human beings. What? What? Beings. 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 Oh, you know I'm supporting human beings. And you know I'm coming to you live on a Tuesday night from FEMA Region 7. This particular Tuesday, we're getting some interference from the spirits. Because it's that time of the year in the cycle of seasons. October 17th, 2023, by my calendar here. You're listening to episode 275 of Bowl After Bowl. I'm Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. Sir Spencer, that is. <laughs> and I'm DeLorean. Dame DeLorean, that is. Hey, yo. And you're the bowlers. Welcome back, bowlers. And uh, bowlers is harder to fuck up because it's just bowlers. I like that. We love you, bowlers. Much love to the bowlers. Oh, man. Best human beings around. Yes, bangs, bangs, bangs. Bangaroonies. I've uh, been another wild and wonderful week in the books. Had its ups and downs. It's kind of a roller coaster, really. Went through a lot. Mm-hmm. Including your birthday. Yes. Which was yes. grand fun. And I had a wonderful extended birthday. <laughs> really this stretched year. it out. Really stretched it out. Really. Dirty uh, 30. That dirty 30, it lasted. It was dirty. It was. For sure. It was filthy. Yeah. Um, Got to see the new aquarium at the zoo. Probably the dirtiest of all of the parts. Uh-huh. Not because of the aquarium, but just because of the attendees of the yeah. aquarium. There's always a fucking field trip. <laughs> oh, I hate going somewhere there's a field trip at. It's just the worst. Mm-hmm. School kids are the worst. The worst. You heard it here first. And there's a lot of uh, touching activities, you know? <laughs> right. And, yeah, I didn't uh, think about that and, like, wash my hands vigorously. So, anyways, but that was a grand time with our wolf pack and bolets. Yep. They had a good time. It was beautiful. Uh, millions of dollars went into this aquarium, of course. Probably $33 million. <laughs> And, yeah, it's pretty great. It's on the smaller side for an aquarium. But we do have Penguin Plaza at the Kansas City Zoo, 
Yeah, there's like a separate building for an aquarium penguin. Penguin aquarium. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having some syntax errors today. Does not come out. <laughs> um, well, yeah. And so then my, our younger daughter, Asina, for her birthday in February every year, we've gone to Stroud's, which has pan fried chicken. But this year, her pop has talked her into wanting to go to Toot Toot Diner, which is a great choice. Uh, but because Strads was off the table for her birthday coming up, I thought, hey, I will snag that dinner date for my birthday this year. And so we met up with your pop over at Strouds, had a feast, because it's like Thanksgiving, the way they treat you there. It's just endless bowls of mashed potatoes and green beans and chicken. And I'm glad that I enjoyed myself that day, because the next day I woke up and uh, just had horrible abdominal cramping and stayed in bed and heard from all of my favorite people, which was awesome, wishing me a happy birthday. So it was still a great day. Um, got a roadcaster for my birthday, thanks to you. That was awesome. And I'm going to need it. And I'm going to need to set it up tomorrow. Yeah, we'll have to test that thing out. So you have a setup for Thursday night. Yeah. And then Mary-Kate Ultra sent me this trading card that she made of me, which was <laughs> badass and awesome. Yeah, I saw It's that. so cool. She was inspired by the picture of me with the huge Labradorite specimen we have. Yeah. And she put all these roses in the background, and it's awesome. Very cool, and I'm excited to see the other trading cards she makes. More trading cards. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. So that was exciting. It's uh, like the year of the trading cards. Then I did Homegrown Hits on my birthday, which was awesome. And I got to play The Wait Is Over, which was also awesome. Although, boy, good thing for a mute button. Because oh. it's like, as soon as the post show, I was like, I got to go. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll be right back. Oh. You held in there like a it's champ. A, it's a good thing. It's audio only. I'll just say that. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I listened back to it and I thought, okay, it's you can't really tell what a bad time I was having behind the mic. <laughs> no, you uh, physically sick. Like it's always a great time hanging out with Mary Kate Ultra and Daisy was able to pop in later, which was really cool. Uh, and just playing awesome DMU, all the new tunes, super exciting. So, but man, I got sick. And then I you passed guys, it. You guys cracked into the Fountain One Hundred. I saw or the Fountain Top Ten. Yes, yes, that was so cool. Fountain put out its toot tweet thing with the picture of the top 10, yeah. and there's Homegrown Hits at number six. It's pretty much the only uh, or Twitter notifications I get is on that bowl after bowl account uh, whenever I peek in there, like weekly or maybe twice a week. And so, yeah, I saw you guys were on that list. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that was awesome. So thanks to all you bowlers that come out Thursday nights and hang out in the hitter with us ladies, your DMU DJs. Uh, and you got us there. MMO was also in the top 10, which it's always great to see other stream buddies there. Yeah. The small group. The small group always holding it down in that top 10. <laughs> That's right. And then <laughs> the next morning, you were going to get up bright and early for Bitcoin coffee. Yeah, I was ready. And then head up to your dad's house to smoke a brisket for uh, my bonfire birthday party. Mm-hmm. But what happened? Well, through the night, I got attacked. I don't know. It was a... Different from what you had. I'm not exactly sure. I think you just, I think it was the same thing. I think a stomach bug tore through the house. I think that's right. 
it might have just affected us slightly differently. For me, it felt like my stomach was just trying to digest itself. Mm-hmm. That sucks. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> like there's no food in there, but it just keeps filling up with the stomach acid until yeah. it, at a certain point, <laughs> it can't fill anymore and you got to get it all out of there. That's never pleasant. That's no. never pleasant. That's really all the detail I really feel like going into. Uh, other than I woke up and went through that dance around two in the morning and I thought it was like 5.30. I was like, God, it's almost time to go to Bitcoin coffee. But then I look at the clock and it's 2 a.m. And I was like, oh, well, at least I got plenty of time to recover. Oh. And I lay down and I don't know, at least two more times I had to hop up and do that. Eh. Yeah. And then when I woke up the next time, it was 9.30, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> All of my plans are dashed. Everything I wanted to do yeah. is skipped. Well, not everything, but, you know, the Bitcoin part. All of the kids had a round of it in the morning. Just lovely. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty rare for something to go through our house like that. Yeah. We don't get sick that much. Every once in a great while. You these get weird, sick the most. These weird seasonal <laughs> things come through, knock us off our feet. But, I blame you know. the school kids. <laughs> well, we were, yeah. Those dirty public schoolers. <laughs> it was just a lot of people in the uh, aquarium in close quarters for sure. Yeah. It's, it's like your firmware update, you know? You go out into public in a crowded place, either in the spring or it, much worse, the fall. I think the fall is the worst time. You just get that firmware update. It's like, all right, what's everybody got now? Let's get that one. Now we got it. All right, cool. Mercifully short, but wow. It was rough while it was here. But wow, pretty much encapsulates it. So we get up to your dad's. We did do that. And I made your grandmother's fruit salad recipe, which is so good. The dressing is orange juice concentrate, sour cream, dash of milk, and instant vanilla pudding mix. And it was a real hit. Simple but effective. was really awesome because this is my first birthday without your grandma. Mm -hmm. We were birthday buddies. And so to bring her there in spirit with the recipe meant the world to me, really. And people really loved the fruit salad. I would say the fruit salad was like the shining gold star of the buffet we had. Everything was great, though. Yeah. At your pop's bonfire. But All kinds of barbecue and uh, baked beans. I smoked a brisket uh, the night before, and I kind of, brisket's the one I've done the least, and it's also the most touchy of anything you're going to smoke in general. Um, the way I like to do it is separate the flat from the point before you start smoking it. Dry rub both of those separately. Throw them both on the smoke, and then when they get to around 165... You wrap the flat and you cube up the point into burnt ends. So you've got that flat that's going to be just kind of your sliced brisket, standard sliced brisket, and you got the point that's going to be big, chunky burnt ends. And uh, I did what I usually do, built my fire, got it uh, kind of steady, set my timer for 20-minute intervals, so I just like nap and wake up every 20 minutes to check on that fire. And then I guess really there were two crucial errors I made. One is not to, I didn't like bring any of my own tools. So I didn't have my probes mm. in the meat, watching the internal temperature the whole time. So I was just like, well, after this many hours, I'm going to temp the meat. It should be around where I want it or maybe lower. And then I'll go from there, you know? 
I didn't watch the inside temperature of both of those uh, cuts the whole time. The second thing was building the fire kind of to the right of the firebox, which is the closest to the smoking chamber. So I haven't done a log fire in that old smoker of mine. I've only done logs in the new reverse flow. And I think what happened was just because that fire was so close to the cooking surface, the back of the chamber got way hotter than the front of the chamber did. And so when I went to tempt the meats, that point was exactly where I wanted it. It was at 165 on the nose. And I was like, oh, wow, perfect timing. And I pulled it off and I cubed it up like I would, threw it back in a uh, foil pan with some barbecue sauce drizzled on it. And then I tempt the flat and it was like way hot. It was already past 200 degrees. Oh. And I was like, oh, shit. Like I expected them to kind of stay at the same temperature, but it was in the back and that got hotter. Uh, man few things I had to do different next time. But it turned out it was still edible. I thought it was going to be like totally ruined completely. Oh, something only I would enjoy? Straight (laughs) carbon? Right. (laughs) Crunchy brisket. Uh, But it wasn't that. So. No, um, it was really good. And pop through it in a slow cooker with some uh, beef broth to kind of. Juice it up. Yeah. Moisturize it. Yeah, exactly. Which ended up working out real well. So, you know, could have been better, but. uh, Considering all of the surrounding circumstances, not too shabby. Yeah, a learning experience. And then we had a big fire. Big fire. Bonfire, obviously. Yeah, always a part of a bonfire. Big ass fire. John was super into it. (laughs) He's always mesmerized by the fire, yeah. Yeah, he went on a journey to find a stick to throw in it. More than once. He kept throwing things in it, and people that aren't us were constantly yelling at him, No, too close! Ah!" I'm like, just let him throw stuff in the fire. He's good. He'll be all right. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Maybe he gets burned. Oh, well. If he falls in there, I'll pull him out. But, yeah. yeah. He's gotten burned before. Yeah, by picking up a coal. <laughs> yeah. He's... That was like uh, flown out of the fire, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Long yeah. ago. He didn't so, make a mistake like that this time, though. Sometimes you got to learn the hard way. It's the only way. That's right. You just won't listen to anything else. That's all right. Um. He fell asleep right at the table. And your pop's friends all thought that was hilarious. <laughs> he was just zoning out. Yep. Yep. I said zonked. You, you gotta wake him up for the fire, though. Yeah, I went and grabbed him once that fire started. We got out of there late, but uh, in time to host some friends, some traveling friends. That's right. Always fun to uh, be able to let people couch surf on their way through the country because it's like the crossroads of the country, so it's a convenient stop. Um, that was fun to catch up. Hear some good tales, have some good drinks, etc. Uh, watch some demented comedy on YouTube. Always fun uh, activities, I would say, with buds. And then, what else is on here? Me oh my. Ah, yes. Uh, you said that The Wait Is Over got played on Homegrown Hits. Yeah. <laughs> the Madman played it today on Boostagram Ball, too. Yes, he did. I just saw that like right before I went uh, into my class session earlier tonight. I'm teaching evenings for the next four weeks. And uh, yeah, I didn't, it's weird. Like I didn't expect him to play it, you know? I was just kind of reserved like, ah, it's going to be too contentious or whatever. But I also was like, I really set him up to like, be. you know, I I tried really hard to put a lot of thought and love into that song and the way it's delivered. And make it so it would just be a draw to play, you know? Yeah. Like it's a to- the lyrics are totally clean. There's no swearing. I think this is the first rap I ever wrote that doesn't have any swear words in it. 
um, it's just on message the whole time. And, you know, it gets like critical, of course. And, um, but it's all in fun and love. And so I just kind of, uh, I was like, I, I didn't know what to expect. So I just expected him not to pull it out, but, uh, he did spin it. And, uh, that was very much a tickle spot for me. The, the love that that thing has been getting since we debuted it on Tuesday night last time has been pretty humbling to be honest. Uh, I appreciate all the love that it got. People thought it was, um, a, a good message, which was the whole point, uh, was just kind of the message and, and laying down a, a certain statement and a certain stance, uh, when it comes to decentralization and um, we can talk a little bit more about that when we go off chain, but I do just want to point out, like I'm, I'm not trying to be some kind of ultra purist. Um, a lot of pushback I get comes from like, Oh, well, you know, you have an Albi account and a fountain account and these other centralized services. Uh, but my point is like, just, you should have options. That's all. Like users should have options to be able to, make their own decisions and choose a variety of ways to interact with the, with any apps surfacing this type of decentralized music. That's one of the points of decentralization. I understand that a lot of people are going to need or want some sort of a custodian. And there's no purity test that can be passed either. I mean, can you be your own ISP? Like there's a lot of different things that uh, when it comes down to it, you're going to have to make some certain decisions, but um there's a spec that we're building toward. And so the whole message of this uh, song was to have those options and to be aware of those options and to be choosing wisely how we put our art out. And uh, especially when it comes to how our value is distributed in particular, uh, which overall has been pretty well received. I was just going to say, go deem you or go home. (laughs) Yeah. It's gotta be deem you, man. Gotta be deem you. So yeah, that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I I could hardly believe it, but I also was just, I was smiling. He kind of did it, like, he did, did it in such a great, peaceful way, too. You know, he just didn't really comment much about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, Diplomatic. He should have brought the clip or whatever, but it was just it's too, too much crammed into our time schedule right now and with the evening teach. But uh, he essentially said, hey, you know, with new distribution methods, there's always got to be a rap battle or something like that. So. Yeah. Uh, there's also a lot of, uh, people reaching out, asking about remixes or different, uh, versions, if they could remix the song. Um, so we should organize some kind of, or we don't have to organize anything, but it would be cool maybe for everybody to have the opportunity to collaborate on something together. If we want to do kind of a version two of it, my main goal was just to get it out immediately. So, um... It was like the maximum thought I could put in to the, to the song with the time allotted. Um, and I want to thank Make Heroism additionally for helping me uh, do the production, the audio engineering on that track. It's a lot of fun. I did finally get a chance to uh, talk to Abel Kirby about it too. Yeah. Over the weekend. And uh, I, like, I didn't tell him I was doing it. I, didn't, uh, I sent a demo to a couple of people, but... Um, he, he famously does not text, you know, because he's smart. And uh, I didn't, uh, he wasn't like one of the couple people I sent the demo to as I was working on it. So I just didn't know, you know, how he would react or whatever. I told him that I name dropped him in it and he was like, oh God. <laughs> uh, but he did enjoy it. The song, which is like, that's all. I 
only person that I could have not lived with uh, upsetting over this song was Abel Kirby. So I was glad that uh, he liked it. Here's to you, Abel. Yeah. Love you, Abel. Um, another, let's see, on the recap list, upcoming Bulls with Buds we have to announce. It's in the feed. That's right. For all of you uh, feed priors who pry into the feed that is the source of truth. Uh, pending Bulls with Buds featuring Toontown Mousy Bear on Friday. Yeah. 8 p.m. Central. That should be a grand time. Most and, indeed. Uh, we invite you to join us. We're going to be talking about uh, kind of self-determination and, uh, you know, the, the topics that we usually talk about with them kind of overlap with that. But uh, they, they've been making uh, efforts on their bowls with buds to come prepared with a lot of uh, uh, topics, which I find fascinating. I love that. Yeah. It's always a great time because uh, there's places like – it's funny because I'm usually asking things and leading the stuff. And uh, when they come on, they've got somewhere they want to go, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Gives me a um, chance to relax. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like they're interviewing me, uh, which is fun. So, yeah, check it out. It'll be live. Uh, I think we're aiming 8 Central, but the time is soft right now. Okay. Not 100% sure. We'll have a more sane announcement this week. So you can watch us on the, on the Nogen Social. That announcement. Friday night in the bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, but all you bowlers in the bowl, that's who we want to thank uh, right up front for all of your lovely value contributions. We appreciate the help. Appreciate the help, bowler. It's uh, always comes right on time. Ah, bowler, right on time. And uh, that can't be said enough about the PayPal this week. I, was, I didn't even check until today, and I was like, oh, wow, that thing almost got low and then uh, a couple of things came in to put it back in uh in balance which is great i might i might throw some padding in there <laughs> just in case uh but we got a couple of uh bowler donations to the paypal including uh one last tuesday night uh once i was already rolling on the show and i did not see this with the refresh uh but vox hit us yeah vox a little 10 spot she'll be coming up Next week on a Bulls with Buds, by the way. All right. Uh, she said, happy birthday, Dame DeLorean. Oh, thanks, Fox. And muchos besos. Mini kisses. Gracias. So that was very sweet. Ten buckaroonies from Vox. Thank you, Vox. Uh, and, and also, we got the monthly stonation. This really helps things out in terms of uh, uh, keeping this PayPal balance. I would have been boned long ago if uh, bowlers hadn't... Um, been gracious enough to set up recurring payments to this thing uh like circus media did and he comes in with 1111 that re recurring uh donation every month 1111 so we very much appreciate that sir yeah thank you circus media keeps my ass in line much appreciated uh if you want to join the paypal side of things you can always click the donate button at the bottom of any page on bullafterbull.com uh however we also have a new system that we've been rocking for a minute now. And uh, we call it Podcasting 2.0. We got in, shoot, it's coming up on the third year. Wow, December, that fast, huh? December 2020 was when we jumped into this ocean. Uh, so yes, we all uh, participate by taking all of our clothes off and going to nudepodcastapps.com and picking out one of the apps that has uh, value support. We send little bits of Satoshis little bits of Bitcoin called Satoshis to one another. 
uh, while singing this lovely song. I'm gonna boost some stats. I've got 40,000 in my wallet. I'm, I'm, I'm boosting value contribution. This is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's always awesome. Always fun. Makes you want to shift a little. Why don't you shift a little bit? Move that ass. Makes you move that ass. Uh, and we do have some boosters to thank. I am going to be <laughs> between two helipads because my node was being weird over this past week a couple of times. We did get our uh, tried and true uh, outro boost from Harvat, 1420 sats on the outro. He hit us from CurioCaster and from the podcast index this time. Both. Both of them. Nice. Both of them. Can you believe it? Thanks, Harf Hat. Uh, you've got some serious homegrown hits action in here. Oh, yeah. That I've been noticing. Yep. Uh, including Baron of Rotterdam got around to listening to it, and he loves it. He likes it. He loves it. He wants some more of it. So you'll be cranking that out every week, every Thursday. Yeah, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, we also had a bunch of stuff come in for the wolf which was uh, much appreciated. Chad F, 3333. This track is flame, he said. Um, here's dings for you, Chad F. We had uh, a thousand sats from Chad F, from Ellen Beats, another thousand. Uh, first he said, let's get this to number one, currently at number 22. So this <laughs> is like less than 24 hours after we had released it. <laughs> he was already trying to chase it up the char uh, charts. Real splits, he said, for a thousand sets. Yeah, real spritz. Sp spritz, yeah. Real spritz them splits at us. That's right, not that water down. <laughs> not that water down, man. Uh, 333, coming in from Anonymous. That was for Bowl After Bowl, episode 274, I Liked It Like Head. Great title. It was a great title. Thank you, voicemailers, for saying things that the robot can get confused. We uh, stole that move like an artist from Hog Story. That's can, right. And here on this very stream, this very no agenda stream, every Monday at uh, around, around about 7.30 Central. Yes, sirree. And it plays on the bowl after bowl stream too, gosh dang it. Uh, 16,969 from Hey Citizen came Woo. in. He said, easy boost out of Podverse. Hey, nice. And he was burst boosting bowl after bowl during the wait is over. So that time value split kicking in. Cool. Pretty, Thanks, Hey Citizen. Pretty sick how all of that works. I love that. Uh, speaking of the time value split, we finally got the Rev to cave in. And since he needs more Google storage space uh, and actually has to make some uh, monetary investment into the Metal Moment, uh, he's set up now with a time value split for the Metal Moment, too. So if you boost during the Metal Moment, that is going to the Rev. That's right. There's a tiny split that stays back this way just so we can see it just for monitoring purposes but uh, yeah and still give you a producer credit i think 99 99 is going to him yes yeah we're setting him up like uh he, bobby shell thinks he lives <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm just playing baby uh 33 33 from chad f Woo. uh he's boosting out of curio caster the wait is over he said the wolf went from making beans to making beats <laughs> hey oh nice uh, 3333 came in from Pfeiffer out of Podcast Index. Triple flame to the wait is over. Appreciate you. Uh, Sir TJ the Wrathful got in from Fountain on that uh, wait is over song as well. 1111 said, we need more like this from the wolf. Now he's, uh, now people are jazzed. They like found out I can rap. Uh, mm -hmm. We got make charisms like sending me beats. 
Secrets out. Cersei Sitter's like, hey, we got to make tracks. Uh, I'm into that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually felt very alive and uh, having a lot of fun over last weekend doing that. So, uh, yeah, more to come on that for sure. It's unavoidable. Uh, 3333 from Colomona, Sir Libre, who does that show Lightning Thrashes, you may have heard. Lightningthrashes.com. Uh, did I say 3333? Uh-huh. That's from Podcast Index. He said, this is fucking great. You were the OG. Nice. Uh, Chad F's back, pumping it up. He said, number nine, let's go. He's boosting <laughs> again. 33, uh, 3.33. He was throwing us some stuff uh, from Ellen Beats. The Wolf Waits for No One says, you, DeLorean. Oh, yeah. Out of fountain. Thank you. I had uh, to throw you a boost. Future Sir Tosh, 33.33 out of fountain. <laughs> said, get wrecked, Wait Lake. <laughs> with <the> tongue emoji. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, Dorful boys seem to enjoy this particularly. And I gotta say when, uh, when half of Sir TJ's family boosts you, it's like 20 boosts. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It kept, uh, hitting, uh, Chris, Casey B- uh, BTC YOLO, Chris Winsky, uh, hey. Casey Bitcoiners hit us for 1420 sats at Ellen beat saying, thank you for the work that you do. Uh, Hoddle King said, sir, with a bunch of exclamation points. Uh, Mary Kate Ultra came in. This is just dogpiling on the wolf track. 69, 69. 69, dude. She says, fuck a wait. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. A thousand stats from Shredward. That's coming out of Podcast Guru, which is always fun to see. Uh, It's a source that we don't often see. So it's cool. Uh, one, two, three, four sets from Podcast Index. This has been stuck in my head all day, says Anani Mouse. Oh, Appreciate you. It's an earworm for sure. Uh, 55, 55 sets from Make Heroism at uh, a fountain. And the same from Mary-Kate Ultra at a fountain. A thundercloud lightning emoji boost there. Thunderbolt of lightning. Very, very frightening me. Uh, 999 sets from Brianna Villi. For the wait is over. So lots of this stuff. It was very much appreciated. I just keep seeing the boost come in that day, that next day, that Wednesday, and inching up on the chart, little uh, space by space. I think it was like five by the end of that day. Yeah. Uh, six or five or something like that. So that was always kind of, uh, I don't know, it was, it was humbling. I didn't expect this out, outpouring. Uh, 1,300 sats from Curtis Drums for the wait is over. Coming out of Podcast Guru, he said, Dorfelverse boost. So again, you missed one. The Dorfels lead again. Oh, this is J Dog. J Dog gave us nine 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 on that song, and he had dollars, dollars, dollars as the boost. <laughs> uh, Cash money millionaire, J Dog. Dorfels coming through. Yeah, man, they are. <laughs> I'm telling you, when they come, they uh, just come like a pile, like poof, pile of boost, knocking down your door. The door is full of Dorfels. Hey, there you go. Homegrown Hits, you got a lot of birthday love, which I'll scroll through. Yeah, super appreciated. Thank uh, folks. And I'm telling you, man, the wait, I hope, is nearly over for some filtering in Helipad. I might try Mm. to help do that uh, because... This is ridiculous. I heard the front ends react based. Oh. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to try something out. Uh, 2222 sats from Sir TJ the Raffle, a row of ducks there. But the wait is over. He said, I wonder, would you consider allowing me to do a wrathful mix of this? And if it's any good, you could pocket it and save it to release it to whenever the time feels right. Just throwing it out there. And yeah, let's talk. Uh, 
we could do several remixes. We could do a big collab remix. I don't know. Um, I'm open to anything and everything. We'll definitely talk. Um, the next one comes from the Baron of Rotterdam himself, 2222. He boosted Like Wine oh. uh, from Stay A While. And he said, playing this one on the next show. Thank you, thank you, and thank you again. I appreciate you, sir. A great one. He boosted that from uh, Ellen Beats, by the way. Much appreciated. And then I got some Boostagram Ball time splits coming in. This is so cool to see. Like when your music is featured on one of these shows and you're in a value time split, then you get the messages and the sats and the title of like somebody else's show, but it's coming in your split for it. Uh, so Dave Jones, a thousand sats from Curiocaster on Boostagram Ball, and then another 1,200 or 12,000 sats, excuse me. 12,000 sats at a Curiocaster. He said, got to boost myself in some lyrics, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to name drop uh, the Pod Sage. That's right. Shouts out. Shouts out. Uh, 10,000 from C. Brooklyn, boosting out of Ellen Beats. The wait is over. He said, fire. Appreciate you, brother. And that takes us to our live delineator, 4269 from Harv Hat. Back to the bull. So All right. Thanks again, everybody, for all the love on the, the wait is over. That was incredibly fun and uh, it continues to kind of ride the wave there. So appreciate everybody who's kind of <laughs> helped move it along because I didn't want to be like overly annoying about it either. I think that uh, I released it here. I said my piece about it. I didn't want to like boost link it into a bunch of other shows and be like, yeah, you know, you got to listen to this. You know, I just I figured like just I said what I need to say. I put it out there. It'll trickle out there. So yeah. um, it couldn't happen without everybody else kind of hyping it too. So I definitely appreciate it a lot. Uh, who else do we appreciate? It's Weirdo. Weirdo. 3333 from Fountain. Thank and you. He gives us a peace and a love emoji. Very nice. Peace, love, weirdo. Uh, a big old sack of Richards. That's five. Richards, 11,111 sats from Bully Steed. Ooh, Bowly Steed. Ooh, Boosty Steed. Thank you. Fountain is the source. Fresh from a Bitcoin meetup, she says. Oh, nice. Cool. How many uh, people knew about uh, DMU? How many people knew about Podcasting 2.0? I'm always interested in, because it's just like, it seems like a little sliver of all Bitcoin meetups. And by a little sliver, you mean us? <laughs> a small group, <laughs> let's say, <laughs> at any given uh, Bitcoin meetup. Bully Steed says none. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah, it's kind of uh, wild. It's funny because it's this is how sats move around every day, you know. Like, um, the one of the few things I've seen actually deliver on the promises of things like micropayments, instant payments, sovereignty, value for value, programmable money. There's a lot of different things where you know Bitcoiners, hardcore Bitcoiners, like, hey, Bitcoin solves this, and um, yet it seems like. A lot of people are still in the dark on one of the longest working use cases I'm aware of, <clears throat> of just the Lightning Network in general. But hey, that's what uh, tells you that we're still early in this thing. Just 10 minutes ago, this also wrote in from Podcast Index. We got 109 sats from Sir Seat Sitter. Ah, Sir Seat City. Thank you. He said, here's the last of what's in my wallet. Bowl forever. <laughs> oh, thank you. Bowl forever. Very sweet. Very sweet of you. I grabbed uh, an ISO. Appreciate the help, Bowler. You grabbed an ISO? Of him. Oh, post yeah. No Agenda a while ago. I don't know if you have it. Uh, Let me double check. Because I don't. 
is it, uh, oh yeah, I think it is labeled. Let me see if I can uh, get this to work. You put in What's the box. in the box? Yeah, What's in made, the box? Yeah, what's in the bowl, bitch? Now, here are the steps. <laughs> what's in, yeah. the, what's in the bowl, bitch? Oh, I got to trim it up. What's in the bowl, bitch? <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> yeah, I got I to gotta trim that down to be perfect. That's a great uh, addition to the board. What is in the bowl, bitch? I you, am. <laughs> you am? I am? The bowlers are. <laughs> of course. Right. Of course. Uh, this just in, breaking boosts. 17,776 from Boobery. Boobs. Yeah, yeah, freedom. Ooh. That freedom, that extended freedom boost. Hell yeah. God, I got to add that to the board. I still go to <laughs> the IRC message that <laughs> Mick Harrison sent me that in <laughs> to play that. Oh, what am I going to do? We're just doing it the old fashioned way. Yeah, that's right. Running with scissors, or sometimes I'm just running completely naked with nothing in my hands. Like, oh, is this still working? <laughs> and uh, still get there. Hey, still get there. Uh, the message, though, he's boosting out a boost CLI for an important message. He says, John Brake's bad news band, Dire Descent, brought the song count up to 419 tracks. Damn, so close. Oh, so close. Damn. He's on the search for who will be the 420th track you could be that track check out thunderroad.media and uh could be you blueberry will upload your shit take all the heavy lifting out for a very 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 small slice uh which goes to support all the infrastructure you keep 97 percent of that thing just for those who you know want a little help along the way but still want uh to keep it sovereign you can always have what we call in the in the in the biz an uncle jim a guy that you know and love and trust who kind of helps you through it. He doesn't work for nobody. There you go. Uh, boobs can be that guy. Boobs can be that guy. He can do it. He can do it for you. Uh, and what I find, too, is artists who get into a situation like that, they're always asking questions and probing information to get at the root of what's going on here. How can I set this up myself? Uh, which is really killer. I love that. Uh, that's what... Sir TJ did for sure. And yeah. Now, now he's off to the races getting other people in. Uh, more pins continue to be knocked over, including Piranesi just hitting us out of Fountain. 8787 sats. Ooh, thanks, Piranesi. Muchas gracias. And 2,730 sats from Memes Elite. Memes, thank you. Memes 1337. This one comes out of Podverse. Uh, Piranesi was Fountain. Did I mention that? I'm so bad at this. I don't get enough practice. <laughs> he says. Excuse me. Uh, Memes Leet says, Leet boosting the split. Strike a pose. It's time to bowl. In the bowl, peeps. Hey, in the bowl. It's in my bowl pose. See it? In their mind's eye. Yeah. All the bowlers saw it. You like my bowl pose, bowlers? Yeah, I sure do. Hey-oh. Uh, thanks, everybody, who contributes to keeping this thing rolling week after week, bowl after bowl. It's all the value for value cycle. And uh, your participation is key in this whole thing. Yeah. And it's not just sats. And it's not just fiat fun coupons. It's also hanging out during the live show in the chat or during the week, popping in, saying hi, just sharing shit, knowledge, jokes at pound bowl after bowl on the IRC. Zero node. That's right. The live experience is a whole extra layer where a bunch of value is hidden and it's kind of a 
little bit of a quality filter. You know, it's not like you can just fall uh, fall out of the app store and into the IRC chat right away. There's a little bit of thinking that you have to do, a little bit of figuring things out that you have to do, but you can uncover a whole extra layer of value that lies beneath the IRC internet chat relay protocol. Uh, no agenda refers to it as the troll room. And if you're already uh, privy to the troll room, you can just add that channel bowl after bowl. Simple as you can also make art for our episodes, our chapters, just for the toots that go out Tuesday after Tuesday, bowl after bowl. You can pass the bowl to someone you think will enjoy it. Hopefully you know they'll enjoy it. It's a small group of us bowlers. Yeah. <laughs> not a cop. Do not pass the bowl to a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, <laughs> Let's be reasonable. Yeah. Reasonable, that's all we ask. And then, of course, every week... We have a first time I ever topic, and we like to hear from you in voicemails or text messages. This week, the first time I ever topic is about the first time I ever trapped an animal. So if you want to tell us about the first time you ever trapped an animal, all you have to do is pick up your phone and... Call 816-607-3663 and the play of Yeah, that's right. We just play them. We don't screen them. And as I mentioned before, if you're voice shy or have a picture to go along with your message and story, you can text the bowl at 816-607-3663. Absolutely. It works all week, not just at night. Yeah, every day of the week, not just Tuesdays. Uh, Yeah, so this is typically when we roll into a new segment that is sort of related. We like to call it... Uh, don't you want to build a node yet? Another one, yeah. Sorry, you don't have to have to, because there are different bridging solutions or temporary measures that could be taken, but uh, I was just kind of reminiscing on podcastindex.social, because, you know, why would you just have one Fetty account? On a couple instances, mk.spook.social. Uh, I got a few of them out there. And podcastindex.social is where I go to kind of talk about all things happening, podcast index style. And I was like, you know, I really miss the old days when podcast index, the boardroom meetings used to include uh, advising people to build a node. Mm. And in the early days, you had to, there was really no other choice. You had to have a node because you had to plug a public key of a node into the value uh, recipient tag, which you still do. Uh, but nowadays, there are a little bit uh, more greased entry points, things like Fountain, things like GitAlby. Uh, the first one to the plate, by the way, which no one ever talks about anymore, was a service called Satoshis.stream, which you could essentially do the same thing. They were just a provider of a node uh, for your sats to sit on, they would carve you out your own wallet. You plugged in some extra custom key and custom value into your value recipient. And you could withdraw your sats via Telegram. Uh, I never f quite figured out all that whole world. 
firsthand, but we had a few guests that were on that. And, you know, we started out running a voltage node, uh, which we called a rent a node. We paid uh, actually for a year up front. I don't really know. I haven't looked at that in maybe two years, uh, nearly, because we just bought that first year initially in December of 2020. But I just knew I was going to make a long-term commitment. I was going to learn whatever the hell this was that I needed to learn. And this was before I did all my boot camp studying and everything too. You know, I wasn't like super up and trained on anything programming wise. It was all just stuff I've like punched over my own keyboard and pounded my face against uh, the keyboard until I got it to work kind of stuff. You know, Um, it's really about determination more than prior knowledge and prior skill. Because when it comes to this node, this lightning node stuff, and when it comes to podcasting 2.0, there's really not a shitload of prior knowledge and prior skill. We're making it as we go. We've been making it as we go this past two to three years. So it's, it's just a, it's more about commitment. It's more about, you know what, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually I'm going to have a note of my own and I just, I'm going to all keep trying to find the steps to do that until I break through and get it. That's what we did. With Voltage, they made it easy because you can just get one spun up uh, right away. As soon as you pay the invoice, boom, you've got a node running. Uh, we didn't see that as a long-term solution because we kind of felt like that was a node apartment that we were renting from somebody else. And then building one in our own house would be like home ownership, you know? Yeah. Something that we run and we operate and we're responsible for. So we made that jump during the first year trial of Voltage. And uh, I started with the Raspberry Pi. You came along and made a Raspberry Pi with Umbral. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit more uh, laid back in terms of setting it up than Raspberry Blitz. Not that either one is really uh, too intimidating. It's just all stuff that I had never done before. So I had to teach myself and learn and you know try a few things before it worked. Uh, but the beauty of this is that... Fast forwarding nearly three years after we dove into the pond. Now you've got people you can ask for help who have been there before, who can, you know, listen to your error and say, oh yeah, I've seen that. You can do this. Or, oh, I'm stuck on this step. I don't know what to do next. Hey, how do I get channels going? Hey, how do I do X, Y, Z? That's what the whole purpose of the cocaine shit stain segment is for. You know, we're talking building nodes, rings of fire, channel management, liquidity, all this great stuff. So it's always a great spot to ask either in the bull chat or the homegrown hits chat is a great spot. Uh, the boys over at behind the schemes in the green room channel. Uh, Blueberry's always uh, happy to relay uh, hints as well. And uh, just all over the place. Now August story got stuff going uh, relatively early on as well. Like super early uh, with us first waivers out there. So by now, there's just so many people who you can uh, lean on as resources in this journey together. But the first step is always deciding, hey, you know what? I'm getting in the car. I'm going to drive around. Look at all those guys out there. They're having fun. They don't have to rely on anybody else for their value. It just comes in straight to them. End of story. And that's, that's the beauty of it. That is uh, also kind of the message, of course, behind the wait is over. And... Part of me, I was just in a mad rush to get that out because I 
suspected what would happen. I suspected what would happen. Two board meetings ago, there was a lot of pushback because the uh, the watered-down splits were uh, released by Wave Lake. And then the very next board meeting, of course, there was a lot of uh, backtracking and uh, smoothing over of that pushback, uh, which I figured would probably be the case. It's kind of, it's just, just the cycle of things, you know? Uh, and nobody really wants to outright punish or, uh, I don't know, hurt developers who are really just trying to, um, if given the benefit of the doubt, are trying to make these new solutions. Uh, but I think that this song was important to me to put out there because we all have our roles to play and we all have um, the messages we have to bring. And there are absolutely those voices out there that need to say, hey, how can we get a person who doesn't want to put in effort to be able to play along too? You know, how do we get the person who doesn't know what they're doing to play along too? My role is different in the response to that question. My role says, you know, if we want people who don't know what they're doing to play along, we need to just teach them how to do it. Yeah. And having been down that path, uh, teaching myself, I know that it can be done if you decide you want to do it and have just even a tiny bit of competence. I mean, if you're competent enough to get into the IRC or if you're competent enough um, to find the live stream, you know, there's like this one layer deeper of an effort filter on a lot of different aspects of our show and what we put out. If you're competent enough to have sent a boost ever, you can figure this stuff out. It's not uh, rocket surgery. It really isn't. There's no uh, computer degree required or whatever the hell. Uh, but it does involve doing some things that you've never done before, which can always be intimidating. And uh, trust me, it takes some inertia. There's an inertia process. You got to change your routine or what you know or where you're coming from. So it's not like an overnight thing. It's more of a long-term journey. But it just takes that one decision. You're going to decide, hey, you know what? really want to build a node. <laughs> and it's worth it it's worth it. it's a lot of fun uh you got full control at that point point. and man for artists i just keep thinking you produced a whole song maybe a whole album and then you're gonna stop and say making an rss feed is too difficult for the self-hosting aspect of things yeah yeah it's like come on you're almost there this yeah. is easy peasy compared to writing a song <laughs> that's what's tough too you know like Writing a song, learning an instrument, publishing it on various platforms. Artists already kind of have a background of figuring things out and uh, being determined to figure things out. You know, you can't learn to play the guitar unless you are determined to learn and you're okay with sucking at it for a while until you figure it out and get good. You got to build up strength. You've got to learn chords. You've got to learn muscle movements that you've never done before. Until you have, you know, after you've been doing it for years, it's, it's second nature. It seems easy, but, uh, it, that's just the transition you got to make. And it starts in your mind. It starts with a decision that you make. So we just encourage you to make that decision. Come join us, build yourself a node. I miss, uh, podcasting 2.0 saying build a node because it's, um, it's evolved to the point where, and I understand it. I'm not saying that, uh, they're bad for doing that. Uh, for, you know, showing people an easier way. That's just their current role. Their current role is to get more people using the system 
making it more viable, scaling it, testing it, building it out even further. But it's our role in the small group to remind people that they have options and they can actually get themselves some freedom. I think that your own personal node is still a crucial tool in the tool set that Podcasting 2.0 brought us. And you can kick that can down the road or have a temporary solution. But I encourage people to think of it as that. Think of it as a stepping stone to running your own node. Uh, it's just, um, for me, my, my recommendation still is like every individual person. Uh, so like if you're a band of five people, get five nodes going, man. Everyone just has their own. And you've got your own identity in terms of the value. Uh, that can be circumvented. There are ways to just have your own wallet on somebody else's node. Uh, I don't know how to Uncle Jim people in that exactly. I'm sure that you could uh, do that through something like Ellen Bits, where you can host other people's wallets on your node. It would be kind of like the Thunderroad.media of nodes. Uh, and that's something that I've played with in my mind as a possibility ever since we started this thing in earnest. But... Um, you know me and my to-do list. There's just other things that are such a priority that I can't really be on the hook for people. And if you were Uncle Jim onto my node, I would still tell you, hey, you know, this should be a temporary solution. I want you to build your own. Yeah. Should be running your own. It's great. It's like, uh, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, I can be my own bank and payment processor forever. Oh, sounds like a win. And on a currency... That nobody's just printing the shit out of somewhere in Washington, D.C. Or all over the country or whatever the fuck. It happens on computers now, you know? Every mm -hmm. time they pass a new omnibus, your dollar gets fucking debased again. You're welcome. That's uh, the whole point of Bitcoin is kind of like, hey, look, we've got this thing and uh, we know the issuing schedule. And there's a finite amount of it. It's not going to be printed forever and ever and ever. So the, the rules are fair and everybody agrees on them. It's a great way. Uh, another thing people sometimes ask me, uh, I get this question a lot and it came in again. Uh, how do I get my sets out of my Albi wallet and into my bank account into dollars? You know, like, uh, which is always uh, a question that I'm like, ah, you know, like I almost don't want to answer the question when it's asked to me. But of course, people got to see that, you know, it still is a. Uh, uh, Money, you know, people yeah. people will cash your chips in for money for dollars. Um, and I usually just like I've never done that ever. I've uh, I've had Bitcoin for shit almost a decade now. I've never <laughs> I've never gone the other direction. I have perched like I've used it as money because it makes sense to me. It's like a better money. That's what I think of Bitcoin as, just in my mind, a be better money. I don't think of it as a uh, God or a higher power or a, there's a lot of extra things that uh, Bitcoin bros will think of Bitcoin as. Uh, I just think of it as better money and it's kind of really simple and straight cut. You'd say it in two words. What's Bitcoin? It's better money. And so when you get some better money with your shitty money, which is the US dollar, the US dollar I know for a fact is shitty money. And it's like the king of shitty money in our current system, right? It's the shitty money that rules all the other shitty monies. But with a little bit of that shitty money, I grabbed some better money. And what, what are the two things I'm going to use that better money to do? One, transfer that value to uh, things I find valuable. Or two, just let it fucking sit there. 
Why would I be like, all right, I got some better money. Let's get it back to that worse money so that I can what do what with it? What are you going to do with it? You know, if I got a boost of uh, 27, 30 sats and I can get, I, I, I'm going to cash that in for a dollar or something. I'm going to no. cash that in for like 87 cents. And like, I'm going to what, do that on the weekly for what? I can't even buy a Slim Jim with that. But if I hang on and just fucking the best thing I ever did with Bitcoin, forgot I had it at all. And I've done that a couple of times over this almost decade I've had it. Totally forgot I even had it at all. Totally forgot Bitcoin existed. Forgot it was a thing. Uh, some of the funnest times in my Bitcoin journey has been like, oh, fuck. Everybody's talking about Bitcoin again. I still have some somewhere here or there, right? Sure enough, go back and be like, oh, wow. I could buy more things now than I could back then with it. My value has increased. Hooray! Uh, and I don't expect that to uh, stop anytime soon. That's just my two sets on all that. Stack them. Stacking them up. I fiercely appreciate uh, everybody who's come on this journey with us in this kind of section or uh, facet of the show. The Bitcoin stuff, the podcasting 2.0 stuff, everything now popping off with the music stuff after what feels like a lifetime of a wait, but really it's been, it's only like the two year anniversary of stay a while. Now we worked on it all that year. So behind the scenes, of course, it's felt like longer cause it's been longer, but really that's a blink of an eye, you know, less than a couple years ago. Like the, when we look back on this, it's going to be like an explosion of a timeline and I can really feel the flame starting to lick up. So everybody busting their ass out there. I'm looking at you, Boo Berry at the top of the, sweat heap uh in terms of pushing this thing forward and like just the hitting of the mouth of artists because artists are ready they've been ready they already know that they're getting fucked everywhere else and so we finally have what everyone's been looking for how do we just say hey we don't want to play with these assholes we just want to do our own thing and the only people invited to the concert are the audience who love us and the people who make the fucking thing. And everybody else who just wants to ride jock can fuck off. That's the point here. You're putting in value and receiving value or you're fucking fucked off. That's it. No more jock riding. No more riding the value off of the backs of artists just because you have the paper that we were forced to sign. Fuck that. No papers. The wait indeed is over. Anyway, I just wanted to keep it... Uh, Local this time, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Um, there were some interesting headlines over the past week, but really most of them were fake hype. Mm. And so I don't even want to bring them up. Yeah. Reportedly. <laughs> if you understand the reportedly meme, then there's a wink to you. Other than that, TikTok next block, baby. Regular stuff. I am working on the Rings of Fire, but those are kind of in the opening process, so it's always hurting cats. If you're interested in starting nodes up, getting some channels rocking, getting some liquidity and trying this whole thing out, dipping your toes in to doing, doing it yourself for real, for real. You know, always send me an email, spencer at bullafterbull.com. I'm happy to help you at any step of it. Yeah, you got those rings of fire rocking now. You kind of have a whole layout email, like I, documentation yeah. for rings of fire, pretty well laid out. I tried Lightning Network Plus, by the way, to organize a ring. It was a big mistake. I shouldn't have done it. Uh, my, my just shitty little spreadsheet is much better because I have the freedom to have six people. Their maximum is five and I can choose the order, which is important too. 
choose the order of which uh, people are in the ring. If you're looking for just a ring of fire to participate in with strangers, it's a really great way to go. And by strangers, I mean public nodes that you can check out their reputation and all that. But essentially, just people on the internet looking for a ring. It's a great way to organize that. But if it's people that you know and people who already have some kind of channels rocking that exist and you want to add more channels in that ring, you got to be able to shuffle the order around. Yeah, definitely. So now we skip on over to my favorite segment. Top three. All right. Well, the latest magic number popped up in a headline that read as so. San Francisco is getting 33 speed cameras. Here's where they could go. Two sentence headline. Wow. It's kind of a modern trend I'm noticing. Yeah. Um, At least the second sentence was, and that's a good thing. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would have grossed me out. Um, but then you click in and it says, at least 33 cameras will be oh, going in. Oh, you know? so it was a stretch of a headline. Totally. They leaned a little bit to get the 33. Totally. They talked to the municipal transportation agency that's going to be picking the places of where to install them. And they said, well, we're going to really highly publicize this. Uh, we want everyone to know exactly where they are. Um, so there's going to be a whole, like, campaign about them 30 days before they're implemented and then for the first 60 days that the cameras are on drivers who get them turned on by going too fast or whatever will just receive a warning Uh, and they assure san franciscans that (laughs) the data being collected is only the license plate and not facial recognition which mm, i don't trust anyone so you know but whatever. Uh, it looks like the there's going to be a $50 fine if you're 11 miles per hour over and get picked up by one of these cameras, mm-hmm. uh, along with a ticket. But if you qualify for low income, you can get an 80% discount. I thought Hot. that was interesting. Hot damn. Discounts on speeding tickets and fines. But it, it doesn't really work right with these cameras, right? Because they're not an officer. Uh, there's always a lot of contention. It depends on the state you're in. It depends on how froggy they want to get. Yeah. There's a lot of factors. The law surrounding speed cameras and uh, red light cameras and all the other camera-issued tickets um, is hotly contested, and I, in my experience, far from settled. Yeah. Well, Governor Newsom legalized the speed cameras last Friday in a traffic safety bill. And it looks like they're probably going in places like school zones, um, streets that have histories of a lot of pedestrian injuries and places where sideshows occur. Oh boy. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. (laughs) Uh, Don't trust the cameras. (laughs) No. Such a stupid idea. It's unconstitutional. Damn it. But there's already cameras everywhere. So, I mean, I got to be able to face my accuser in court. Are they going to bring the camera up in there so I can ask it questions? Bring the camera in. I would like to talk to the camera, please. Uh, the camera's attorney claims that the camera has pled the fifth. Mm. <laughs> That's all the camera can do. Uh, and then if they're not going to fight you, it should be dismissed. But what do I know? The IRS says that a 33% staff increase over two years will help address growing unpaid tax totals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we knew there were a lot of new hires there. <laughs> yep. They need to add 
52,000 employees by 2025 to hit their staffing goals. So it sounds like they have a lot of open positions. Apply today. No, don't. (laughs) Be a total loser. (sighs) Yeah. Coming from a city that has what? We have two. Do we have two IRS buildings or some shit? I probably. Kansas City is like, if you get a letter from the IRS, it's usually stamped Kansas City. There's a lot of those guys working here. Yeah. We get mailers in the hood. Apply today. Be a tax man or tax woman. (laughs) No, no thanks. I don't believe in your taxes. It's theft. Damn it. But 33% is the magic number, so. Oh, it's a a hot job anyway. They did hire a lot of people recently, so. Just going to keep growing. Kind of like this teacher strike I read about in the country of Jersey. 33 schools have teachers threatening to go out on strike after their negotiations with the state's employment board for a an almost 8% pay raise failed. I guess this has been ongoing. I haven't heard about it, but now that all 33 of the state's schools are threatening to strike, it's hitting my ears. Yep. All the way over here in America. That's when uh, they run the story, man. Yep. And then there was a hit piece that came out this week with the magic number. Um, my source was the New York Post, but it was also shared by other outlets. MSNBC loses 33% of primetime audience during coverage of Israel war, while <laughs> Fox and CNN surge. Oh, boy. Yeah. Huh. Just the Israel war. And you know, they tell you why they lost their viewers. Oh, yeah? Care to guess? Uh, not enough orange man yeah. bad? Almost. Not enough calling Hamas terrorists. They called them fighters and not terrorists. Oof. And then they lumped the casualties together. They did total casualties instead of saying, you know, here's on the Palestine side, here's on the Israel side. Mm. Which all seems uh, pretty fucky to me. Yeah, man. You know? I don't know. I like... Um... I don't have a dog in this fight. Talk about that war as much as I talked about the war in Russia slash Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. Only when our um, basketball privileged superstar gets locked up and can't come home, will it come up in the bowl? Because they had a vape pen Yeah, well, yeah. in their luggage. <laughs> she caught a weed charge, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Became relevant. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know when something uh, like that might man. happen. Yeah. But it's sucking a lot of oxygen right now, that's a, for sure. What a hit piece. Yeah. What a hit piece. 33%. 33%. Yeah. And just to round it out, little bonus headline, India records 33 new COVID cases. That's the entire country, mind you, of India. They had 33 new cases this past week added. That's really scary. That's wild. Not. Yeah. It's like a pile. It's like a classroom in public school. 33, America. man. 33, rearing its ugly head again. Yep. Yep. Stupid cold coming around. And I am coming around to the idea of going behind the curtain. I think that if that's you don't mind. acceptable. Uh, on the COOF topic, a new study came out this week. I know you love studies. This one is from the American College of Chest Physicians in Honolulu, and it was presented at their annual conference. It's a new study, but it shares 
facts that have been presented in old studies also. Okay. Uh, and what it found was that stoners who caught the coof and were hospitalized had significantly lower rates of intubation, respiratory failure, and ultimately death <coughs> than patients that didn't use weed. Interesting. Now, my personal asterisk here is it's only people that admitted to the forms they're filling out that they use weed. Sure. Which cuts out a lot of users, I would say. Um, because they looked at over 322,000 patients. Oh, that's a lot. Less than 1% of those patients, 2,604 to be precise, mm. said that they use weed. <laughs> Based. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure that's the accurate number. Less than 1% of people smoke weed, so that seems right. Yeah. <laughs> Man, f*** them studies. Uh, but hey, the numbers worked out pretty well here because, you know, it showed that pot seems to inhibit viral entry into cells mm. and prevent the release of these pro-inflammatory cytokines. Remember, like, the cytokine storm oh, sure. term they kept throwing around? Right. And that was... Uh, Made it deadly for folks. Yeah, well, if you smoke weed or or eat edibles or however you consume your weed, because they didn't specify that. Sure. Um, you should be good. Oh, now, look an, at that. another interesting point I noticed in the study while reading it was that um, there's a higher prevalence of tobacco use among this one percent that admitted to using weed. Interesting. And I think that. Smoking cigarettes also may have had a positive impact on recovering from the coof. I remember some early data being dropped that suggested that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't have a specific citation on that, but I it cropped up in my memory. Like, hmm, yeah, I remember tobacco users also being well protected, it seemed. Yeah. Uh, anyone that was under 18 or had information missing in their forms was excluded 322,000 people is a very large study group, no, I would say. No shit. Um, and then still this 1% really cracks me up. How do you get access to that many people's medical records all at once? Yep. Wooly uh, student in the chat says, SARS-CoV-2 competes with tobacco and cannabis for receptors. That makes sense. Makes nothing but sense. Your receptors are all busy. They can't recept the other bad shit. They've received the good shit. I believe all the terrible things they told me about weed and it was all a lie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, they also noted in this study that the patients who didn't use pot had higher rates of comorbidities, like hypertension and diabetes. Mm. So, hey. I probably have a higher rate of being treating something, right? Like Maybe, yeah. Happy, healthy stoners, though. I like that. Yeah. You know, while you're busy stuffing your face with processed junk food, stoners are... Loading the bowl, grinding the weed, toking up, laughing with friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hobby, weed. I've earned the right to smoke weed. Keeps you out of doing other bad shit. That's right. I mean, you know, depending on who you talk to. Well, there's a sliding <laughs> scale of bad, you know. <laughs> bad. Yeah. Well, it looks pretty good in this study, which I enjoyed. Uh, another publication came out this week, which is huge in combating FUD. Although... It shouldn't take a 2023 publication for people to know this information. Um, 
the title is From Ancient Asian Relics to Contemporaneity. Probably butchered that word. A Review of Historical and Chemical Aspects of Cannabis. And this was published in the European Journal of Chemistry. Mm. Prohibitionists, over at SAM specifically, like to use this talking point that outlawing weed while permitting alcohol is justified because alcohol has a longer history of use. Mm. That's cute. Yeah, it is cute. They've clearly not seen the Bible. Debunked. <laughs> yeah. And so they. I just took some interesting uh, notes out of the paper here, like how hemp fiber was used for ropes 10,000 years ago in Mesopotamia. And cannabis was considered one of the five main grains, along with rice, soy, barley, and millet. Uh, it was possibly the first plant cultivated for non-food purposes when it was used as a stunner to capture fish. That <laughs> nice. one I hadn't heard before. But of course it... Stay been... stunned. Stay stoned. And stunned. <laughs> uh, it's described in the Vedas as one of the five sacred plants. Um, and its psychoactive effects were recorded in the world's oldest pharmacopoeia the Pen Sao Ching, which dates to 2700 BCE. So, and if you look into Ayurvedic medicine, it's used for all sorts of things. Weed, uh, analgesic, antispasmodic, anticonvulsant, anti-inflammatory, aphrodisiac, appetite stimulant, treatment of female tract diseases, childbirth inducer, bunch of stuff. It's a well-rounded plant. <laughs> it is. It's a plant, a wonderful plant. And, you know, it's great. Yeah, this we knew. But I'm glad more people are figuring it out. God's green goodness. Because all you got to do is a little bit of research to figure it out. Yeah. Open a book, really. Many books reference weed in some form. Uh, but whatever. You fight the FUD with a study, right? Yeah, of that's, course. That's what that's they what like they to see. They, they got to have more studies, you know? An official stamped paper and I'm bringing two to the bowl tonight, and that's more than usual, and that's all my official papers. Except for maybe this letter that got written this week. No. Sent to the Biden administration from 11 former DEA heads and White House drug czars. Yes, they are urging the administration not to reschedule pot. Okay. And I read it, and it's very poorly written and very choppy. You know... When you are a young child, you're supposed to learn how to properly write an essay or, you know, lay out an argument maybe. Sure. And you have your points and then you're supposed to bolster your points and move on your next point, your arguments. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, give your conclusion again, you know, beginning and conclusion. This thing is all over the place. So I did that work for them and I took out their talking points and their evidence of it. And uh, I'll present it to you because it's all hilarious. Okay. First, they say that the FDA hasn't approved marijuana for medical use because no double-blind published studies show safety and efficacy for raw marijuana. Thus, it must remain a Schedule One drug. Raw marijuana. I love raw that marijuana. term. That's like you pull the plant out of the dirt. <laughs> it's raw, and you just start chomping on it. We ain't been cooked yet. <laughs> not trimmed, not nothing. Like, just chomping that plant raw. Mm -hmm. 
So that was silly. Um, they said that, you know, researchers haven't conducted enough large-scale clinical trials that show that the benefits of the marijuana plant, as opposed to its cannabinoid ingredients, outweigh oh. its risk in patients it's meant to treat. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a little sneaky bullshit. You already see where they're going with this. Yeah, they want to break down uh, weed molecularly so they can patent and make products out of it. Mm-hmm, and that's... And, and not have a f- whole plant medicine because whole plant medicines ruin their whole fucking scheme. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Bur- color, color me shocked. Buried toward the end of the letter, they wrote, if certain marijuana compounds are found to have medical value, few would oppose FDA-approved marijuana-derived medications. And then they mention like Dronabinol. Yeah, Dronabinol, yeah. Marinol. Whichever one they have stock in. Drugs that suck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Drugs that suck. Have you ever taken Marinol? I have, unfortunately. It makes you feel like shit. There are side effects to that that you don't get with weed. That's for sure. I got a really bad yeah. pounding headache after taking it. I came across uh, one out of uh, some personal research. And yeah, fuck that shit. It's awful. You know, God gave us a plant in the very first week of this stupid thing kicking off. Right when he set the shit up, he said, all right, this was yours, by the way. And nah, they want to middleman you on every little motherfucking thing, tell you that you're not free, you're not a sovereign uh, child of God, you're just a fucking slave to their stupid corporation, and you got to get in line and you got to take their pills and wear their t-shirts and listen to their music. Yeah. And use their money. And How about go fuck yourself? No. Exactly. Their stuff and leads you back for more business for them. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, with the Marinol giving me a headache, well then shit, am I going to take headache medicine? They'd love to see it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they got a pill that kind of helps you with one way, fucks you up three other ways, and they got three other pills for that. Exactly. It just keeps going. Yeah, you take the cocktail, and then your body can't handle it and starts to fall apart, things stop working, and now you are more dependent and need surgeries and what else. Whatever they can offer you. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I know. It's gross. And that it really grossed me out reading it here. Um, anyway, so they talk about how there's no research there in the medical aspects. Yeah, but then they have never ha- been studied. Here, sure. they've got recent research has shown that marijuana is more addictive than ever, <gasps> with increasingly potent marijuana becoming the norm. Oh, Jesus. And they cite a study that was in Lancet which apparently determined that marijuana is more addictive than several other Schedule One drugs like LSD, GHB, ecstasy, and cot. Well, yeah, I mean... If we buy addictive... Based on what? Yeah, like... You mean I'm, I'm going to use it more often I'm than LSD, yeah. I just smoke bowls a little, with a little more frequency than taking psychonautic trips to another galaxy. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Odds are pretty good. And ecstasy is nice, but that's a commitment too. Mm-hmm. Weed is just, hey, like, no, balance I'm... me out, get me where I need to go. I got a headache, gonna smoke some weed, feel better. Anytime you even glance in the direction of XYZ pharmaceutical, I think the COVID era was so fucking hilarious because it just shredded a lot of the veil that they had up around this thing. Yes. You know, they have this big fucking Hollywood built plastic line of houses that looks like Main Street Beautiful. And that's pharma- uh, Pharmacy Inc. And uh, it just caught fire during COVID. 
And half of it's burnt down, and you can see right through the facade. It's like not even covering shit up anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, where was your double-blind, safe and efficacy-proven studies when we rushed all that bullshit out? You don't need it then. You didn't need it then. It was a goddamn emergency, man. Yeah. It's just... Convenient, it's, huh? When they're fucking... Yeah, when it suits their ends, they don't give a shit about the study. Mm-hmm. But they're going to pull it out of their ass and when, when we're talking about a plant medicine. <laughs> The most ancient of plant medicines available to man. Okay, well, we don't know enough about it, though. Yeah, you don't know enough about it because you're a fucking dick. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we always get a good chuckle over this whole more potent thing. Ooh, your grandpa's weed. It ain't your granddaddy's marijuana. Okay, it's still weed. It's weed. Yeah. If you grew it, it's a plant. It's weed. You can um, smoke glass. You can... Uh, do a lot of different things, you know. <laughs> now they have this uh, DEA factoid in here. The average THC potency of marijuana seized by the DEA has spiked from 3.9 percent in 1995 <laughs> to 15.3 percent in 2021. And eh, you know, with the legal market kicking out, reading the labels and stuff, it's a 25 percent mm-hmm. up to. I've seen 37 percent is the highest I've seen. Uh, just, you know, perusing online. Sure. Looking from Leafly at things in California and such. And it just makes me laugh. It makes me think, yeah, right. Good job sucking the dick of that lab tech for that number. It, you know, like, it kind of so makes stupid. you wonder. It, it kind of makes you wonder what really the upper limit might be for some nug. Um, who knows? You know, the ceiling doesn't exist. But the most fascinating part to me about the whole fucking potency issue is if you compare it to the 90s. First of all, you think they're running a lot of bud through some really nice, high-quality lab tests in the 90s? No, no, this is a great point. And doing potency checks on it every damn time? No, Or are they just not. slapping it with a field test like they always do and trying to get the line to pop? That. I don't know. It seems like one would be a little more in play. Another thing is nobody talks about the correlation between potency and quality. I mean, you only can get that high of a potency by having a very nice environment for the plant to grow in and thrive in. The plant has to be taken care of and coaxed into that high of uh, trichome production to get that kind of potency. That means you can't just have the cartel putting seeds in the dirt and coming back four months later or whatever, throwing it in a trash bag, smashing it down to shit, and driving it across the United States-Mexico border. Right. So... It's way healthier to smoke some stuff that was grown indoors here in the United States than it is to smoke some fucking brick weed that's been up three assholes maybe by the time it gets to you. Who knows? And if you can grow your own, then you will spiritually nourish yourself as well, which is the ultimate. Yeah. I mean, there's so, there's so many layers to it, but uh, the alarmism doesn't even make sense if you take it at face value. When it comes to the potency question, like, especially when you do this disingenuous thing where you compare it to the 90s, three and a half percent is the average. That almost suggests they've been busting people who don't even have weed, too. I know, right? You're like, thinking like a hemp plant. How many of those came back zero to lower the average down to three? You know? Right. No, I think you're on to it with just crappier testing quality, also. Yeah. And people weren't even necessarily aiming for that you know they were aiming for good bud but 
know what everybody was so obsessed with THC percentage. It wasn't even a part of the thing, you know? Yeah. It wouldn't be a fact about your weed you would know until fairly recently. Yeah. In the whole game. With legalization, people are spoiled with their weed now, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> know too much about too much, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but uh, the federal retards could afford to maybe catch up a little bit. Oh, yeah. On what's been learned. Mm. Instead of claiming that nobody's studied it. It's like, no, that's projection, dog. You haven't studied it. Exactly. And it's clear from the arguments you bring, these sorry-ass arguments. Yeah. Well, I've got three more points from them. Oh, boy. Moving marijuana to Schedule 3 would supersize the cannabis industry in the oh, United States by allowing God. them to evade IRS Section 280E and deduct business expenses. God forbid they keep the money they make. Supersize the industry. <laughs> yeah, they're saying that they'll take that money and roll it into advertising. And then ultimately normalize it, which is like, it's pot. It's already normal. That's another alarmist thing that uh, I think outsiders can never fully grasp is like, <laughs> pot has been mainstream for a very long time in, in this country's culture specifically, you know? It's like, a, it's like a slice of the underground, but with the advent of state legalization, it's now just regular people. I remember when Colorado went legal and it was only like, it was like within that year, you could overhear just like some straight lace tuxedo nerd talking about, oh yeah, we just got approved over in Colorado and we've got two grows that are being set up out there. It's a fantastic market right now. We're just invested on the ground floor. It's going to be a terrific. Mm-hmm, I be remember. Like, be like, this guy has never seen weed in his life until maybe like the last month and a half. They're just on this new wave, you know? Yep. So, uh, I mean... It would be a challenge to get more people to at least try pot or hear about it or know about it. Oh. Everybody knows what pot is. Just about everybody's and, at least seen it, even if you've never smoked or, uh, you know, participated. And to me, this whole normalized term means it's less exciting of an industry, right? Like cigarettes at the convenience store, normalized. Alcohol, <laughs> normalized. Yeah. You can, it's still going to make money. It's a money maker for sure. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, it's just not taboo. Yeah, I think that, uh, like you're saying, just more people will admit yes on the surveys because they feel safer in doing so. But is it going to really sway the numbers of people trying or smoking weed? No, no, no. no. If, you, if you want weed and that appeals to you, you're first of all, you're guaranteed to be exposed to it culturally from the time you're young in some sort of aspect of our culture. Whether you see a TV show that... Uh, deals with it, you know, fucking Cheech and Chong, you got some music, you got a, a concert poster you walk by. It's everywhere, you know? You're going to see it. You're going to be exposed to it at some point. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> well, I just, and Harvat liked this too, the term they used, evade IRS Section 280E. Every other business in America can deduct their business expenses except for state legal pot operations. Right. They're going to evade this uh, illegal two-tier treatment, you know? We don't get equal protection under the law because we're a cannabis business and there's this dumbass uh, unconstitutional DEA and everything set up around it. Yeah, so it we don't. Me. So we don't enjoy equal protection under the law? We don't enjoy equal protection under the tax law? That's fucking wrecked, dude, but they don't care. 
Like, no, we can't, we can't let that expire. Our monies. Yeah. Think about how much money the IRS pulls in from that. Gosh. Um, um, the last petition to move pot from Schedule 1 to Schedule 2 was denied in 2016 under the presidency of Barack Obama. Fun fact. They threw in there. Which is fun because this is the Biden administration, especially. Yeah. It's like, hey, remember, Joe, remember Big Daddy Barack said no go on this Mm -hmm. 2016, and that was only Schedule 2. Now you're looking at Schedule 3, a little even less harsh, but still a controlled substance. Right. Crazy. Uh, I don't know. I still say I'm going to be pretty surprised if it moves. Oh, me too. Uh, and But here's their final talking point. And I'm just going to read this whole paragraph to you because it was a little interesting. Despite state laws legalizing marijuana, the illicit marijuana market remains strong. If not, And I would argue stronger. Oh, no. Because <laughs> they have those protections. It's the emerald market now. In California, where marijuana is illegal, the black market makes up 75% of sales. Law enforcement estimate that over 80% of the state's dispensaries sell products grown illegally. That's a crazy stat. Uh, Attorneys in law enforcement already have one hand tied behind their back when it comes to enforcing federal marijuana laws. Mm. (laughs) Press X for doubt. Rescheduling marijuana and thus reducing criminal penalties for marijuana trafficking removes a key tool federal agents have to prosecute cartels. Now, this was the talking point that got all the weed activists up in a tizzy. I'm sure. Over the week. Sure. uh, Because they're saying, you know, rescheduling does not change the penalties. It doesn't reduce penalties. And I kind of disagree with them a little bit. I was a little surprised by that take where they're saying rescheduling does not equal sign reduced penalties. Yeah, then Um, why fight for it, asshole? mm -hmm, (laughs) Why even care about it then? So, yes, right now, if you get caught selling weed across state lines, then you're federally trafficking and you're going to be charged based on the weight that you're moving. But this is as a schedule one drug. Right. And so for any amount of other Schedule One drugs, a first offense is not more than 20 years. A second offense is not more than 30 years. Um, and if there's death or injury involved, it's a life punishment. Uh, but let's see with weed. Weed is a little bit higher. Uh, it's like, you know, not less than 10 years for a thousand kilos of mixed pot, marijuana mixture, or a thousand or more plants. You're going to get not less than 10 years or more than life. That's a lot of damn For a thousand plants. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of weed. Uh, so if we go down here to the lowest thing, okay, you get caught with um, less than 50 kilos of marijuana, but does not include 50 or more plants regardless of weight. Not less than five years. Fine, not more than $250,000. Oof. Okay, that's pretty fucking ridiculous, you know? Um, But then if you go and look at the Schedule 3 punishments, a first offense is not more than 10 years 
15 if a death or injury occurs, uh, with a fine that's not more than 500000 for an individual, and a second offense is not more than 20 years. So we've got these way lower caps on these Schedule Three drug traffickers. And I think that if marijuana, as they call it, gets moved down to Schedule Three from Schedule One, those not less thans are going to be pushed down to match that scheduling. And yeah, you're still going to get fucked. You're still going to get punished for federal trafficking because it's a controlled substance, which means 50 state illegal. Right. But I do think that the penalties will be reduced, you know? Yeah, that part just doesn't really make a lot of sense anyway. Like, why would it matter? Yeah. And so anyways, their conclusion was thus. We urge you to follow the science. I loved that it was in there. They slipped it in right in the last sentence. Jesus. Demonstrating marijuana's high addictive potential and its lack of accepted medical use. Okay, and then they said there was no science proving medical use, you know? So, ah. Ooh, slipped it in. As well as the impact rescheduling will have on law enforcement and the ability to prosecute drug trafficking organizations. (laughs) So, you know, fear, 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 fud, fud, fud. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Probably nothing. (laughs) That's my prediction. It's mine, dude. Nothing, tra-la-la. Nothing. Again, Schedule 3. So what? Big Pharma gets to do more with it. Cool. You got to get it out of there, man. (laughs) There will be more research on the cannabinoids so that they can be pulled out and turned into pills. Neat. Yep. Yep. That's what they want to do with all plant medicines. That's what they've been doing the whole time. Yeah. It's their business model. I mean- there's nothing else they're going to do but their business model. Yeah. And uh, Bully Seed's got a good point in the chat. Cartels are in fentanyl and Adderall now. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Catch up. Yeah. It's like the same old FUD, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't update it. Low effort. Just like their legacy software that they use, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, you know. Anyway. In Washington, D.C., Mayor Muriel Bowser signed the bill that I mentioned, which allows medical patients to submit their weed products directly to labs for testing, which is great. Anyone anywhere should be able to submit any weed to a lab for testing, I think. If you want to pay the fine, or not fine, but, you know, the The cost. The fee. The fee. There it is. The troll toll. (laughs) The troll toll, yeah. If you want to pay, then you can play. Yeah. Seems very american like capitalism but yeah i guess that would be a free market which uh, we haven't seen in the weed scene yeah um now in alabama uh do you remember this licensing dispute i talked about last poll yeah so yeah verano which is a big fish applied for an integrated license to process transport and dispense weed and they were awarded that license during the first round of uh you know, licensing awards, June 12th, one of 21 companies. Then on June 16th, the Alabama Medical Cannabis Commission put a hold on that decision after finding some potential inconsistencies in the tabulation of scores that were used to rank the applicants. So they didn't end up issuing the licenses. On August 10th, the AMCC came back, voiding the June 12th awarded licenses in granting 24 licenses, but this time, Verano was not picked. Womp womp. So, they filed a lawsuit. 
And their complaint was that the AMCC had no legal authority to rescind the June 12th award, um, saying, we paid the $50,000 license fee as requested. Yep. And uh, the judge came back this week and ruled that the AMCC absolutely has authority to rescind the license award. (laughs) And that, you know, the license had been awarded but not issued. If they had issued the license and then revoked it, there could be an issue. But since it was just, oh, yeah, you got a license. Oh, just kidding. You didn't. Uh, that's totally their call. Wow. Yeah. Neat. So um, Verano and other companies that were denied the licenses they were initially awarded will have a chance to request an investigative hearing by the AMCC once uh, these license awards are made again. But right now... There's other companies suing, as you can imagine. Yeah. And so all licenses are on hold, which would then put that <laughs> investigative hearing on hold because, you know, AMCC is kind of out of work till this gets figured out. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I love legalization. Mm. <laughs> it always rolls out like this. Crazy. Big fucking dumb fight. Meanwhile, everybody's still smoking weed. You well, know? you know, <laughs> only certain people can make the big legal money. And make a oh, uh, white yeah, collar you know. career out of weed, and gosh darn it, they will deal with this horrible rollout state after state just to make sure their friends are the ones at the top of the pyramid. Yeah, it's crazy. You got to be in the right clubs and suck the right buttholes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, old money. <laughs> um, in Alaska, Lieutenant Governor Nancy Dalstrom signed regulation restricting hemp products. To the regulated industry. So goodbye, gray market, come November 3rd. Even full-spectrum CBD now has to be sold only in dispensaries because it is now regulated under the state's marijuana control board. Horrible. Lame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, so, so much for 50 state legal. Under the Farm Bill 2018, oh, we're seeing yeah. them all get rolled back. Uh-huh. You know, Fed said, hey, 0.3% THC is 50 state legal. And now state by state are saying, no, it's not. Yep. It's still THC. Don't you know? <laughs> it's the devil's latest. Yeah. They only specified for Delta 9, but there's also Delta 8 and Delta 10. and Ugh. Crazy. There's a lawsuit in Humboldt County, California. That's hoping to get Measure A removed from the March 2024 ballot. Uh, And what Measure A is, was an initiative that would impose new rules on commercial cultivation operations in the county, uh, limiting the number of acres that are permitted to grow weed and such Mm. uh, in the name of environmental responsibility and to promote small-scale farming. You know, that's kind of their hurrah that they took to the streets with and got the signatures gathered. One time they want to promote small-scale farming (laughs) when it comes to pot. Right. Wow, thanks, guys. Also, is like, oh, yeah, that's probably not legal. Being a small-scale farmer of weed, I don't know. Literally every (laughs) other uh, regulatory body in agriculture is like, now there's such thing as too small to play, you know? You got to be big. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Why do you big, big, big? You gotta have a license, too. 
that I have thousands of acres of soy. Uh, yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. And so um, the Humboldt County Growers Alliance and seven farmers that grow pot filed this lawsuit alleging that the proponents of Measure A misled and deceived members of the public while gathering signatures, saying basically it would put them out of business based on how they grow and all these restrictions that would suddenly come yeah, in. They'd just fold. To, yeah, they're trying to attack the growers for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, so you'd go from uh, some pot to no pot being grown. I think uh, they likely have a chance of defeating whatever they need to defeat. The The political power of the growers in the Emerald Triangle has historically been quite great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Despite uh, all attempts to thwart. Mm-hmm. So I think chances are good. The ballot will not see this, but even if it does... Doesn't mean it's going to pass. Yeah, vote it down. Yeah. Easier said than done, I suppose. Uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, fucking with the numbers. Georgia, the Court of Appeals upheld a lower court's decision to dismiss three lawsuits from companies that were denied medical business licenses. Uh, and this has been holding up licenses, just like the previous story. You right, know? yep. Uh, four licenses were held up over this. Uh, appeals are still pending. So, you know, it's kind of up in the air still. But, hey, they have uh, seven dispensaries open in Georgia, all held by two companies. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their medical system in Georgia is incredibly restrictive. You know, uh, certain illnesses qualify, and then you can only get oils. Oh, that's I weird. I believe. Yeah. So all of these... Uh, licensed companies have to be manufacturing, yeah, low THC oil. <laughs> Weird. Is it like uh, oil meant to be eaten or rub-a-dubbed or smoked or what? What's the- mm, doesn't specify. Uh, it just says uh, low THC oil can have no more than 5% THC, <laughs> which could be someone's medicine. Right. You know? Yeah. The THC might actually be what they're looking for. Uh, the illnesses that are approved to get this low THC oil include seizures, terminal cancers, Parkinson's, and PTSD. So there you go. Medical weed in Georgia. Neat. Mm -hmm. That's one way to do it, I suppose. (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) Um, In Illinois, Transamerica is being sued over a claim that was denied due to weed. And this is a little story about a woman named Yvette Neves, who uh, she was 51 when she purchased $250,000 in coverage in August 2020. In December of 2020, December 29th, she died, and her death certificate says she died of COVID-19. So her daughter, Ashley, who was the beneficiary, applied for the benefits. Heard nothing, heard nothing. November 2021 rolls around. This is... Damn near a year later. Yeah. And Transamerica Life came back to her and said, it located a medical record where her mom acknowledged occasional pot use and saw an omission of information on the coverage application as material misrepresentation, thus refusing to pay the benefits. Oh, my God. So Ashley's taking them to court, and she's seeking damages over $250,000 with interest, attorney's fees, and punitive damages. Which is, I say good for her because that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I hope she crushes him. And 
because that came a year later, that response, you know they really, really had to dig to find that one, yeah, sometimes I use pot, checked off on a form somewhere. Like, maybe it wasn't even a medical form. That's how suspicious I am yeah. of this whole thing. That's dirty. That is dirty. If you pay for the coverage, then damn it, you should be covered. Yeah. It's messed up. It's wild. It's all a scam. It's such a scam. It makes me so mad. And anyway, on the note of being mad, my final story for Behind the Curtain tonight comes from the Show Me State here, where voters in Pleasant Hill, Drexel, and Parkville will be deciding if they want to add the additional 3% sales tax in November. So yay, more taxes. While there's a lawsuit over in St. Louis over the uh, you know county-city doubling up of taxes, and, um, and the other... News in Missouri is that um, the regulatory group there, the Department of Health and Senior Services, came out and said, hey, if you, to all the micro businesses, right, which is essentially our social equity program, if you want to change hands of your license, you need to let us know or you're going to be fined. Because of all these stories of social equity licenses being uh, pushed out or forcefully taken from the applicant and given to these big fish, or maybe not so forcefully, you know, maybe they signed paperwork sure. and were legally bound to it. But I thought it was laughable that they said, yeah, you're going to be fined. Because those players that were using the social equity applicants as pawns just laugh at the idea of a fine. Of course. It's easily payable. Yeah, the fines are all baked in from the very get-go. <sighs> Part of the cost of setting the business up. Exactly. Yeah, they don't give a shit about a fine. Come on. No, they sure don't. And uh, I don't give a shit about the whole legal system. It just makes me mad. It was a big letdown how it rolled out. But hey, you know, uh, overall, I would say if you took it as one big hole, you could call it. It's a step in the right direction uh, after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. I mean, uh. There are fewer people locked up every year over this shit, so it is pushing the right way, and we are getting some benefits. I think it's important not to get too spoiled over that aspect of it, but it would be nice to just have freedom like we were supposed to be guaranteed. Exactly. Like, it's not a small ask, and we're certainly not there yet, you know? All plants should be fine for all people. I've never unfurled the we made it banner since starting the legalization. Uh, of course not. It's, and I've seen it waved. The freedom fight. Oh, we yeah. have seen it waved by yes. many an seen activists. A, seen a lot know. of cigars smoked over it. Um, oh, yeah. I think certain people did make it. <laughs> but <laughs> we want everybody to make it. Yeah. A system that lets everybody make it. There's That's the, room for everyone. The fair and free one, you know? Exactly. It is uh, still yet to be built. Yet to be built. But we keep our eye on it and we keep pushing that direction. That's uh, all we can do. Just our part. All we can do as far as our part of the metal moment is to make sure Rev is getting some value returned. And we've, you know, had this conversation casually with the Rev over time. He's been doing the metal moment for us for you know, easily over a year, maybe a couple years now. Yeah. He's done bulls with buds with us too and denied value yeah, Rev, to himself. You know, Rev always likes to, you know, contribute value. And he's, he's a big giver. And we love that about the Rev. 
but sometimes the value cycle just works best if you're also open to receive. And so the Rev has uh, agreed to a split, and we're adding him into this time value split situation that we've been uh, starting since Lorian's been digging in and learning all the latest, sharpest edges of the scissors. Yeah, thanks even, to the split kit and even, Stephen B. Even surpassing my caveman ass <laughs> in terms of uh, running out there up front. Uh, so yeah, we have a metal moment now, which we are in currently, by the way. Yes, which means if you boost during the metal moment now or in the future, whenever you're listening and this chapter is up and you see the metal moment artwork, 99% goes to the rev and 1% comes to us so that we see it roll in and can give your producer credit that's right so we can thank you for it and kind of watch it just watch it come in uh i did watch the latest metal moment come in are you ready for it oh i'm ready i'm excited here it comes In the bowl and in the morning. This here is Sir Reverend Cybertrucker and Kenny and Grogu with this week's Metal Moment. Now, before we unleash the Sonic Corps, let's take a trip down Elm Street memory lane. A nightmare on Elm Street, the brainchild of horror maestro Wes Craven, slashed its way into the hearts of horror enthusiasts back in 1984. The film introduced us to the monstrous Freddy Krueger. A nightmare-stalking slasher with a glove adorned with razor-sharp blades. Freddy, played by the legendary Robert England, haunted the dreams of unsuspecting teenagers, turning their deepest fears into fatal realities. Now, fast forward to today, and we find ourselves face-to-face with a metal rendition of a Nightmare on Elm Street theme. Zach Hurst takes the bone-chilling original and cranks it up, infusing it with a dose of heavy metal intensity. It's the musical journey that pays homage to the terror of Elm Street while delivering a headbanging experience that even Freddy himself might appreciate. So prepare to be transported into the dream world where nightmares come to life as we dive into Zach Hurst's metal cover of the Nightmare on Elm Street theme. That's a great one. I love it when it comes up on the Halloween playlist. And uh, that was a high energy cover of it, man. Yeah, with a great intro. Wall of sound. Great read on the intro. Fantastic. Uh, really got me in the mood. Got me ready. Actually, uh, Pop asked us over the weekend. He's like, yeah, that guy, uh, Cybertrucker, does the metal moment. 
has he been like in radio before? He sounds like a pro radio guy. Like he's been doing this a long time. <laughs> and that's what we appreciate about you, Rev, among many other things. Uh, so yeah, give the Rev a boost. He's got his own chapter. Now he's got his own value time split. Uh, and we'll get them sets where they need to go. That's right. You can, of course, follow along with all of the Rev's shenanigans over at noagendasocial.com. He's at Rev Cybertrucker. Give him a follow. Today, make your timeline that much better. Oh, now we like to play a little game. It's a game that the bowlers participate in. A game we call... The first time I ever... First time I ever... First time I ever did what? Well, this week we're talking about first time I ever trapped an animal. Hell, that's a mouse in a trap. That's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, bugs in a trap. Mm. It can be wide scoping. Bowlers are always reaching. Like, uh, does X count? The answer to does X count has always been yes. And it always will be. And it always will be. If you wonder, hey, wait, does this count? Uh, it does. And you can call in to the voicemail line at uh, 816-607-3663 and you can weigh in. You can text in and weigh in. Uh, it's always a pleasure to hear from you, bowlers. Cha. Cha cha. Cha cha cha. Trapping an animal. Do we count spiders? Yes. Spiders, things like that. Yeah. We count it. Um, which then I think about. It. I remember. I remember at a school stepping on stink bugs, and then and I thought about like. I got step on stink bugs when they they got their butts together, so I guess they're having six. Ooh. And then, like, think of letting them off, like, oh, man, imagine, like, that's how you die? Stinky bug sex. I mean, is that good or bad? I don't know. And then you get like, squished by a giant foot. Ooh. But That's anyway. dark. Um, Big old foot comes out of the sky here in bed. Crunch. <laughs> Smoosh. Um, but, yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we're good. I mean... Those would be the basic, basic spiders and, and stuff. But animals, uh, drug trapped. We had a cat for a hot minute. Mm. And, uh, like, we're probably trapped as far as, like, getting it. Um, or, you know, if it's just around the house, I mean, like, trapping that. Uh, let's see, what else? Jensen with dog. Um, oh, man, I had one, too. Yeah. I mean, trapped my brother. Got Ooh, that. That's an animal. Um, we actually got our dog. Well, no longer alive, but we got a dog by we it, it adopted us and then eventually like it was given through the fence and then like and we nailed we were like fixing the fence or my dad but was fixing the fence and stuff on our kids and then eventually like I guess we kinda trapped it but we nailed up the fence and then it just stayed and didn't get out. So anyway. Oops. Um Man, I had a real one though. What was it? I'm blinking. He's trapped so many animals he can't not even a good time. keep track of not them. Performing well under pressure. Oh no. She said you got to come in, there, uh, in the clutch. Um, man, what was it? Not doing good. I might have to call back. Oh. It's going to be a suspenseful vocal mail for Spencer and DeLorean. We're waiting on um, the edge of our bowls. Man, I'm going to have to call back. Sorry about this, y'all. Anyway, love you guys. Appreciate you. And, uh, you know, stay dangerous. And, uh, cacao. We love you too, sir. Yeah, nothing to be sorry about. Yeah, it'll come back around. There are lots of trapped stories there. Sometimes, you know, in the bowl, you just forget the thing you were about to say. It's not an uncommon experience in this part mm. of uh, the universe. This is true. So it'll come back around. Don't worry, Scholar. We appreciate your input. Um, 
I didn't know he would open with the does this count, but there's so many calls that start that way that that worked perfectly. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, speaking of working perfectly, I did want to mention uh, we did get two boosts during the metal moment. 1111 from Harvat out of CurioCaster. All right. And 3333 from you, DeLorean. That's right. Out of Fountain. I wrote, this boost is for you, Rev. And I want to point out that currently the way uh, that it stands here in mid-October 2023 is that the only way you can boost live and get the live things to work is through CurioCaster or the split kit itself. Oh, so dang you'll, it. So you'll have to go back uh, and reboost. I will. But it's all good. Uh, I just want to make sure our listeners know if you're listening live, then the uh, timed splits, you got to go over to CurioCaster or you got to try the uh, split kit, both Stephen Bell Productions. And that's because it's this uh, live value split that we're using, um, which actually doesn't exist in the spec. So Stephen's the only one that he made it up and he's the only one using it as of right now. So early, you know. But the published uh, episode will work on all of those places. Yes. Which is fantastic. Uh, what was the first animal you ever trapped? Oh, well, I definitely caught bugs. I really liked caterpillars. I was always putting them in things. Uh, I really liked daddy long legs, and I was always picking them up. I don't think I ever trapped one, though. Mm-hmm. I just used to let them crawl all over me <laughs> and put them like, up real close up to my eyes because they always looked like a pebble with legs. So fascinating. Anyway, um, I think the first animal I trapped was a mouse that was in our rental, one of our rentals when we were younger adults. And uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> it. It was very uncomfortable for me. I used a sticky pad, you know, yeah, and uh, it was definitely stuck on there. And I remember it was just like really fighting for its life. And so there was some blood on there and like it kind of looked like parts of it were like ripping off, getting stuck to the thing. And I was like, what if he gets off and blah, blah, blah. And you know what my solution to it was? Because I'm just goofity. But I used a pickup stick because this was another <laughs> thing. I didn't want to touch it. I was afraid of getting stuck to it also or being bit or yep. whatever. So I used a grabber, nice. a long arm old lady pickup stick, and I picked it up, the trap, and I put it in a plastic bag and I tied a nice little knot as if that would do anything and threw it in the trash can Oh man! and just hoped that he would somehow suffocate. Yeah. I don't know. Rough, man. The squeaks went on for a while, but he didn't get out of that trash can, that's for sure. No, they rarely do. Those glue pads, uh Yuck. I'm more into the snap traps that just, you know, do them in quick. Yeah. It's like, oh, you took care of it, thanks. No. Or having dogs that are mousers. That's always cool. Dogs and cats that can get them. Yeah. Uh, we've got some input from another caller. Yay. may have trapped something or other. In the bull, mi amigo. In the bull. Oh, in the bull, amiga. Uh, so the first time I trapped an animal... I, of course, was in Alaska because I didn't trap animals before I got there. And my, at the time, significant other um, taught me how to set a trap and to trap animals. So the first one that I got with my trap that I set was a mink. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I, un, un, I, I set it, and then I unhinged it, and I pulled the mink out, and I skinned it, and I nicked a scent gland, which made me not really want to ever, 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 ever trap again. Oh, uh, that, that's pretty much the extent of my trapping experience. Because ill in the bowl. In, in the, the bowl. bowl. Yeah, I've heard nicking glands can really ruin your day. Just some disgusting secretions going on. Yeah. <laughs> and when it's your first time, like you don't know any better. Right. Oh, uh, man, tell me about it. It's tough. Tough to get it right without some guiding help uh, in person. Uh, we had a follow-up text from Vox who says, In conclusion, because I always forget shit when I call in, I'm super grateful to have the knowledge and experience of setting and harvesting coin bear traps because if or when shit hits the fan, I know how to trap, skin, and tan. Yes. That's like a little rap rhyme right there. If shit hits the fan, I know how to trap, skin, and tan. Mm. Beautiful. Next song idea. Uh, she said, my first experience was not my last. I'm way more badass now. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I believe e- it. We would expect nothing less from the mighty Vox. Appreciate the call and the text uh, and those trapping skills. Yeah, you never know. That might be how we have to live wouldn't really take much this whole weird modern society is stacked on like uh wobblier and wobblier foundations yeah as we build up in our recap at the beginning of the episode i forgot to mention the fall festival we went to friday oh yeah and we saw one of your favorite oral historians for lack of a better term a storyteller yeah jim two crows yeah, Jim Two Crows Wallen. And the reason why it crossed my mind now was because he brought a lot of hides with him. And at one point he was talking about uh, in his Cherokee tribe, it was the woman women's job to pull all the fat off of the hides. Yeah. And whatever. And I it had me thinking like, oh man, now I want to do it. Like I watched you do that to the raccoon and I'm like, yeah, I want to clean the skin. And do all that stuff. Yeah, if I cut it off and let you flesh it, that would be fleshing it. Yeah. Great for me. Yes, because I did a dog shit job of fleshing it. It seems like a weird kind of tedious work. I would be into. Yeah. When he said women, that was their role. I thought, yep, that makes sense. Yeah, that was cool to see uh, two crows there because the first time I ever saw him was like a in the Cub Scouts. Wow. And they had this. Um, they used to have this event that. The tribes would sponsor called SNAWS, which stood for Sharing Native American Ways Seminar. Huh. And they'd do dances, and they'd do crafting, and they'd do storytelling, and all kinds of stuff. It was really cool, and they'd just kind of share all the Native American traditions, uh, which was fun. You know, they celebrate their culture. They love when people are interested in it and can carry that tradition on as evidenced by, like, that kind of cultural, those cultural programs. That was always a lot of fun. I had him on cassette, man, all of his stories. So he told oh, one cool. of the, the the yellow behind the ears story. He told that uh, to the kids, you know, and I always grew up listening to that. That was my favorite story on that cassette. So it was cool. That was the one he picked. Yeah. And coincidentally, the first time I ever saw him, he was at a public library here that we had just stopped into. We only had one child mm-hmm. and he was telling the yellow behind the ears story there. So that's my whole experience is that story and him telling it. So I heard it twice. But it's the most uh standout one, I think. The memorable one. 
there's a really cool one about um, why there's twenty four uh, a twenty four hour day with twelve hours a day and twelve hours a night too. Uh, that's kind of a fun one. We're gonna have to find that cassette. Yeah, and a way to play it. We got a way to play it if we can just hook it up. Oh, there you go. Got a tape deck right here. I'm looking at it. Yeah, the kids need more of that. No doubt. Good storytelling. I need more of that too. Although we have great podcasts in this small group. <laughs> right. Yeah, stories being told all the time. 24 hours of stories on the no agenda stream, for instance. Yeah. Um, Do you remember the first time you ever trapped an animal? Yeah, I was really big into catching and collecting bugs growing up. So the bug thing came early for me. Trapping bugs and uh, preserving them. You know, I'd put them in like the alcohol bath for most of them. Although for butterflies, they're super delicate. So you got to do the jar with a cotton ball of alcohol in there. Hmm. And the fumes kind of knock them out without uh, soaking their wings. You can preserve the wings. But I, I loved catching bugs and figuring out which ones they were and that kind of stuff early on. The first time I uh, saw an animal trap was a mole trap my dad used. And he did end up getting a mole with it which I think I just briefly saw. I remember very little of it other than this little dead naked ass mole, like really young and ugly looking. Yeah, they're very ugly. So that wasn't really, I don't know, I didn't really feel a lot of that. It was also so brief, you know, it was just kind of ceremonious, unceremoniously tossed over the fence or something. I can't remember. Sure. Um, the first time I ever like laid a trap and nailed one though was at the uh, new house and I was in high school and there was my skin in the garage because it was raining or cold, getting cold or something. Mm-hmm. Season they, change. Yeah, Mouse they, come in. When they like to find out what they could get away with. And I let out a snap trap, man, and I heard that thing go off while I was inside, and I heard it snap in the garage. I was like, oh, shit. And I, like, was not good at approaching it or what. It had been <sighs> messed up, man. Yeah, the first time. Uh-huh. I was, I, you know, I was old enough to have, you know, been over that. I should have been over that, but I never hunted. I never... Did anything like that growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, the first time, you're always like, what have I done? Even this is gross-ass mouse that's chewing holes in your house and shitting all over the place. Ugh, they're you know? disgusting. Yeah. They're dirty. I don't have any feelings other than uh, victory when I kill a mouse nowadays. <laughs> it's been many mice, uh, many mice later. But yeah, that first one messed me up, man. Felt bad. Yeah, now you just stomp them out. Probably cried like a little bitch. Oh. Yeah. What have I done? I didn't feel that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, ew, 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 ew. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this next caller, you want to talk about storytelling? The animal opened its eyes. <laughs> Painful, confused eyes. <laughs> but the snare pulled it too high. Hi! <laughs> oh, the limb that got it uh, snagged to its death. Yeah. While the blood drained off into its head. Uh, I, I don't know. Fuck. But uh, Lightning Crash is uh, live. And uh, yeah, first time I snared an animal, Yeah. I read the fucking manual. Oh. And I uh, was doing the Boy Scout shit. Hell yeah. And I knew how to make uh, a little tree snare, and we baited some fucking, I don't know, cookie or something, and a squirrel, a chipmunk, whatever the hell it was. We made a couple, 
But, uh, yeah, anyway, the uh, Scoutmaster actually helped us uh, slash made us uh, prep them and eat them because we killed them. And uh, he was like, don't be irresponsible. Nice. And I was like, hell yeah. Based. That's yeah. the way to do it. Definitely. Adios. Keep bowling! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> totally. Oh, this one's for you, Dr. Sir. Oh, me, oh my. Lovely. Appreciate hearing from you, brother. Yeah, that is the way to do it, man. Mm-hmm. Use all parts of the animal. Yeah. It's Respect. The, it's the respectful way. Go about things. Yeah. Oh, the things you can learn as a Boy Scout. They never taught us trapping and uh, stalking, but back in the day, stalking was a merit badge. I'm telling you, man. They've been, <laughs> what happened? They've been watering that thing down for a hundred and some odd years too, man. Uh, well, Same as every other aspect of our culture. Everything <laughs> that's cool has to be neutered. Just time to come up with our own uh, ceremonies for coming of age. Yeah. For... Boys and girls becoming men and women. Yeah. You know? Say, all right, this is the woods. Good luck getting out. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll uh, see. A little coming of age uh, is important. It's important culturally. It is. You know what else is uh, important? What? Choosing our next first time I ever. Yeah, it's always, a, it's always a thing we got to do. We don't have to choose because we had one that has to be done next week. Oh, you're right. A promise to C-dubs. Yes. The first time I ever had loose leaf tea. Loose leaf tea. And so that's what it will be. Fantastic. There you have it, bowlers. First time you ever had loose leaf tea. Text, call, whatever. 816-607-3663. That's the, that's the, whoa, 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 hold the phone. We got a, we got a last minute submission. Ooh. Right under the wire. I love when that. Happens. I remember the first time I ever trapped an animal. Oh, My yeah? name was Elisa. Back <laughs> in high school. Hey. Uh, I was, uh, you know, in high school and she was my age and oh, she was an animal. Oh, man. <laughs> Got her. Got her good. And then she trapped me. And then I found out that in the end, I was the animal. Who traps who? Who is the trapper? Who is the animal? Right. Well, it turns out that we all are. Um, and then also, yes. 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 So, yeah. Okay. See ya. <laughs> Adios. Later. Cheers. Thanks for the call, Lavish. Both trapped and animal. Trapper and animal. Yeah. Not just trapped animal, but also the hunter and trapper. He set the trap just to be caught up in it somehow later on. Ain't that the way she goes? Yeah. Uh, I enjoy sharing my cage with you. Well, thank you. <laughs> I quite uh I quite like it as well. It's been a good experience. <laughs> Man, just a couple of animals. Uh trapped but not trying to escape. That's right. Uh thanks, Polars, for weighing in. This was a fun one. A little trap of the animal action. If you've got something to say about some loose leaf tea, give us a ring. Give us a text. We'd love to hear from you. Uh also makeups are always good too. People uh sometimes say to me, Oh, I had this really great story about this FTI you did three months back, but now I can't tell it. And I'm like, Psh. Yes, you can. Yeah, you can. It's valid. Exactly. It's valid. Especially, bonus points, it's extra valid. It's double valid. Double validated parking, six hours, if you cite the uh, episode number. Ooh, yeah, I really the, like of that. the FTI you missed. Good thinking. Which is 
easily found with a control F search of the RSS feed. Yeah, the topic's always in there. Thanks to Lorian. Not thanks to me. You always keeping them notes uh very well, very organized. Oh yeah, so organized. <laughs> Absolutely organized. Just take a look at the feed. It's a fucking nightmare. Um Yeah, well It's hand hacked wonderful excitement. <laughs> it's it's under construction, my man. Just like all of this shit. Uh, which is why we say, ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold. Yeah. Oh, wait. Wait. Wait on the bowling. We're waiting instead of bowling. Wait. Well, you go get your shoes, but uh, I just got a call that said we're getting a call. And we did get a call. Holy moly. Whoa. We have the technology to get a call. You want to hear this new one? Yeah, let's hear the call. Uh, this is private browsing. Hey, hey finally have an answer. The first time I ever caught an animal was when my dachshund was really smart and I lived in a shitty apartment in a coastal city in California. And she kept pointing underneath the dishwasher and I was like, my dog is penile. And then I saw that there was little nibble holes in the bags of flour in my pantry because we had fucking rats. Oh. And they're too smart for snap traps or anything like that. And I wasn't going to do poison because that's gross. So I put peanut butter on the end of a paint stirring stick and I put it over a five-gallon bucket on a shelf. So I put the bucket on the ground and the stick was hanging off the edge of the shelf so that when the rat walked out to get the peanut butter, it would fall into the five-gallon bucket. And it worked. Nice. That thing was fucking huge. Oof. And I didn't want to kill it. So I made my ex at the time drive it like five miles away to a park. I don't know what happened to that rat. <laughs> I hope it's happy. But I had to get the fuck out of my house. Yep. And we only knew we had them because they had a really smart dog. There we go. Fascinating. That's a great trip. Private browser. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the voicemail. Good first time, first time. Yeah, kick ass. Man, them rats, they are too clever. Oh. Too clever for the regular tricks. And big. And poison, and, uh, yeah, it definitely sucks. Doesn't even work yeah. either. No, and the cycle of life with that is really horrible. Yeah. It's all fucking stupid. Yep. You got to just uh, grab them and um, dispatch them directly. Yes. Dispatch them directly. Directly dispatched. Uh, You got your shoes? I see. All right. Yes. Yeah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Perfect. Yeah, let's go bowling. Let's do it. Oh, there's a mystery in Texas, northwest Austin, Cat Mountain, which I am reliably informed is a luxury suburb. Firefighters got a call about a grass fire uh, in this suburb, and they got there, immediately smelled accelerant, and found a body. And next to the body was a knife and a brand new lighter. So they're thinking, okay, maybe the killer hoped that those things would burn with the body. Uh, It seems pretty stupid. Um, Anyway, autopsy was done. Identity was released. It was a 33-year-old woman by the name of Melissa Davis. Uh And the autopsy shows that she was alive when she was burned to death. Uh, And the only tracking of her was that she left her mom's house the day before to take her phone to get fixed. So she didn't have a phone with her at the time. And uh, her car is missing. 
That's that's all a bummer, man. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Sucks. And to happen in a suburb. Like, I'm just imagining this is some empty field where eventually they're going to build a little McMansion. Yeah. And there's houses all around, and someone's like, oh, it looks like that field over there is on fire. Better call it in. And there's Shit. a fucking woman burned to death, just doused in gas or whatever, and then set alight. No, Megusta. Crazy. And she was 33. Yeah. Horrible. <sighs> They'll catch them. They'll catch whoever did this, even if it takes 33 years. True. They'll get you. Oh, this next story was a little bit of a getcha. <laughs> Tell me if this even is a story. Um, here's the headline. Michigan dog attacks and nearly kills owner after being fed THC. Dog bites man? For real? Mm-hmm. Or woman, I don't know. Um... The only little fact here is it says Otsego County Animal Control confirmed. So we have a specific animal control. Absolutely. Confirming confirmed. to uh, Fox to television stations uh, that it handled this complaint and took custody of the dog. The director of the animal control says the accident wasn't provoked and that the owner almost died. There's like no details of the wound or anything. Um, She said that the owner had this dog for three years, describing the dog as large but not a breed known for attacking people. See, they don't even tell you the breed of the dog. And then the quote to end it all from this animal control director, THC and animals can have different reactions. Bottom line is to not give your pets anything that is not prescribed by your veterinarian. (laughs) Yeah, not even dog food. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Nothing. No treats. Nope. No pumpkin out of a can. Nothing. 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 Unless we say it's okay. You got to ask daddy. Um, um, I'm sorry. My veterinarian didn't prescribe water in the dog bowl. Now my dog is very sick. <laughs> uh, Ugh. Uh, you got to be a dummy to feed your dog some weed THC, though. Doesn't really mix well. No. Yeah. But it, this is such a non-story. I can't even believe that it happened. There's no facts here. It's just like a little propaganda PR piece. Yeah. You know, uh, you really shouldn't. It's like all the stuff that they've said before we've brought to the bowl with dogs eating joints off the ground or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like they feel that that wasn't scary enough. So they put this whole like, someone almost died and it's because of weed and their dog <laughs> together. <laughs> They're doing what they can, you know. You got to keep that propaganda churning. Yeah. And it is October, so they had to get a little spooky with it. Mm-hmm. Almost died. Almost died. Really. Just Owner about. Almost died. Damn near. Yeah. Nearly killed. Uh, well. I would have almost died if I found the treasure in this next story, and I'll just come right out with it. A 1981 DeLorean with under a thousand original miles was found in a barn in Wisconsin. Holy moly. Yeah. Did it sell for like a bajillion dollars? It got scooped up. Yeah, of course. Uh, the, The nephew of the owner knew that the guy wanted to sell it, and... I guess he put it online. So you know who has alerts and stuff set up for that is the Midwest DeLorean group. Sure. In Illinois. So they just flew out there and grabbed it, you know? Yeah. And they said, not only does it only have 977 miles on it, but because it was just parked in this barn for 20 years, it's got no sun damage at all, which is 
one of the biggest issues with all the DeLoreans that I've seen is like the leather's all yeah. faded and mm-hmm. shit. Oh man. Cherry. It's gonna be cherry. They're gonna fix it up. Ah. Oh. Even just looking at it, they had video though where they're opening it up and you see a mouse running around. Yeah. Like, ugh, well. In the barn, that'll happen, no doubt. Yeah. Sunk into the ground just from being there. Oh. And the owner said he would walk out there to look at it, but, you know, didn't drive it around. Smart. Mm hmm. Yeah. And also not so smart. I mean, someday, someday will come, someone will pick me up in a DeLorean. <laughs> I trust this will happen. This is uh, one of my bucket list items. Yeah. Going for a ride in a DeLorean. Anyway, this next story uh, I hope would not happen while I'm riding in the DeLorean, which is about getting a speeding ticket, and Whoa. specifically in Georgia. On September 2nd, a Georgia man was driving 90 in a 55 zone, and so he got pulled over, and they called him a super speeder Uh because he was more than 20 over, or whatever their arbitrary number there is. Bad boy. He got his ticket electronically, and the amount for the ticket was $1.4 million. Obviously, he made some phone calls. Yeah. And the Fed that he talked to, the city worker said, uh, you know, he was like, this must be a typo. And the lady on the phone says, no, you either pay the amount on the ticket or you come to court on December 21st at 1.30 p.m. And he's like, what the fuck? Obviously, he goes to court. Uh, Now, a misdemeanor in Georgia can only charge up to $1,000. So the whole thing made no sense. And uh, Savannah, the city where this occurred, got back to this reporter that was looking into it and said, well, because this is a super speeder ticket, the fine is set by the judge at the court appearance. So the balance reflected in the e-citation is a placeholder, not the fine. And the placeholder for super speeders is $999,999.99. Ah. And that's anyone caught speeding 35 or more miles per hour that gets that placeholder Shit. because it's a you, mandatory court appearance. You've got to haul serious ass to get 35 over. Yeah, and he was clocked at exactly 35 over. So mm. maybe could have some leeway for being 34. I don't know. Back it on down, soldier. <laughs> Attorney up. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. That is, a, yeah, that would be so alarming, seeing that big number on a ticket. At least he doesn't have to pay it. Yes. But going to have to pay an attorney fee. Yeah. Maybe get that off the record. Oh, someone's going to be paying in New York. Cops oh, got a call. Uh, actually, it was like right around midnight. And this cop saw a car, and he scanned the license and it was registered to a different vehicle. In New York! So he says, okay, I'll pull him over, see what's up. But the vehicle doesn't pull over. It speeds up. Uh-oh. And then it mounts a sidewalk, and then it drives through a park, you know, forcing people to run the hell out of its way. That's bad. Yeah. It just kept driving, this guy, and uh, ended up hitting four different vehicles including an unmarked police car, which was part of a barricade in an attempt to stop him, uh, finally did come to a stop, and they pulled the driver out, said he smelled like booze and had an open container in the car, uh, haul him into the local police station, and as the officer is putting him in the holding cell, he quickly turns and bites the officer's left ring finger off. 
down Holy to the knuckle. Shit. So that's an assault on a police officer charge for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Along with driving under the influence and uh, driving without a license, apparently. Wow. Yeah, someone was making a lot of good decisions that night. New York does it real wild. Dude, just bit that finger clean off. Incredible. Yeah. That's some good teeth. <laughs> Strong jaw. <laughs> Strong jaw. Yeah, man. Oof. Wow. Oh, there was a traffic stop also in California. Surprise, surprise. It's like there's traffic stops every second, everywhere. Of course. But this one happened at 3 a.m. within the past week uh, near the Los Angeles County line. Simple vehicle code violation, allegedly. And come to find out the driver has a misdemeanor warrant and was on post-release community supervision for a weapons violation. So the car gets searched along with uh, the two other or three other people in the car. And the cop ends up finding meth, Xanax, cocaine, fentanyl, in a combined total of one and a half pounds of all those things. Damn. There's a good amount of goodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also found a sawed-off shotgun, which is definitely a no-go in California. <laughs> and everywhere else. <laughs> and everywhere else, but especially California. Yeah. And two loaded handguns. But the reason why this ended up in the lands is because of how this driver was concealing one of those handguns. Uh-oh. On top of a pizza inside the pizza box. <laughs> oh, God. So I kind of picture, like, this cop's just searching the car, and he gets everything out, and it's all good, and then they book him and whatever. And he's like, well, fuck, he had this hot pizza, Let's, and he opens it. It's like, oh, shit. Another charge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought I was just going to get to enjoy some pizza. Nope. File it in the evidence room. Yikes. Just kidding. They probably still ate the pizza. Grease up your gun like that, man? What the deal is? All I could picture was that that person was going to roll up to someone's house and say, someone ordered pizza? Blam, blam, blam. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, baby, I don't know. Although it seems kind of awkward to have to open the pizza box to get the gun to. Eh, who knows? Yeah. It doesn't seem like a good plan is in order. No, probably from, not too many thoughts running through that head. From this particular story, yeah. Yeah. Of course, there were also an undisclosed amount of cash seized in this whole charade and uh, scales, paraphernalia, packaging. So everyone got booked for weapons and drugs violations. Now, down under in Australia, man was walking his dogs. One of them decided to take a nice little swim in the river and uh he kind of you know was enjoying himself looked away next minute he's not seeing his dog anywhere Uh oh his dog's name is hachi like what the hell then he hears this horrible gargling sound looks down the river a bit and there's a motherfucking kangaroo drowning his dog holy shit so what's a man to do kick some ass fight the kangaroo that's right yeah so he hopped into that river punched that fucker in the face and, uh, man, it put up a good fight. Grabbed him, tried to drown him, too, but he did get it to fuck off. Piss off, cunt. And so he walked away with some scratches, but him and his dog were mostly unharmed. Phew. He didn't even have to kill a roo. <laughs> Just punched him in the face. He said, man, it freaking hurts punching a roo. Yeah, I bet. Their skulls are thick. Mm-hmm. And their bodies are... Ironclad. Tough bastards. Yeah. 
Uh, that's an animal I would not like to fight. But there was an animal sighting, if you can call it an animal, in Colorado this week. Something I would love to see before I leave this earthly realm. Yeah. Bigfoot. Oh, sick. Yeah. We've got video and photos of Bigfoot now from a couple that was celebrating their 10th wedding anniversary in southwest Colorado. They took the narrow gauge train ride from Durango to Silverton and then uh, were on their way back to Durango when they decided to look for elk in the mountains. And they saw something moving off in the distance and just couldn't believe it. Friggin' Bigfoot. Oh, man. (laughs) I'll drop a link in the chat because the video is very good quality. Now, could easily be someone in a costume for sure. They claim that this Bigfoot was at least six feet tall, but probably much taller, uh, with fur that was able to blend perfectly in the surrounding terrain. The pictures are sharp. I mean, it's like a good-looking Bigfoot. Weird. Yeah. And you have to click onto some legacy social media site to see the video, but it is high quality. Huh. It is someone in a costume, Cottingen says. Someone known to do it in that area. It's a very nice costume, specifically to fool tourists. That's a really great uh, hobby. Just hang around in the Bigfoot suit. Yeah. Scratch your balls, look around. Like, yeah. Hide in the in the <laughs> grass and try not to get photographed. Yeah. And you could just be enjoying yourself. Yeah. Like I love the red arrow pointing to a clump of grass. That one's my favorite. Oh, yeah, I know that one. I, I saw that picture first and thought, okay, yeah, sure, Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like this person goes out and does this so frequently and finally, finally, someone captures <laughs> We got Fox them. 11 in LA. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. I want to believe. Well, there's another person in a costume creeping around. Daring people to catch them. And this is in Scotland. Uh-oh. In the village of Skelmorley, which has a whopping 2,000 people living in it. And the costume of this person's fancy is Pennywise from It. Oh, no. You know, with a mask and a red balloon, stalking around at night. Uh, they are so into it, they made a legacy social media account to share pictures of their hijinks, and taunt the police. Oh, boy. But it's to the point where, in the article, they talk to parents who are just scared to let their kids go outside because of this creepy fucker. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, come on. Kick them in the balls. It's a bit unsettling. Yeah, it is unsettling, but the um, attitude of their social media posts is perhaps more unsettling. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, hoping that the cops get me. Um, I don't, I don't know. Just a uh, very arrogant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, surely the clown will never have its ass whipped. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Um, um I think it'd be tough to pull that off around here. <laughs> someone cited their police report that they had filed and Pennywise came back with, do you think I care? They'd have to catch me first anyway. And yes, that's a dare. Oh boy, tough guy, tough guy clown. Mm, yeah. yeah. Maybe all the cops there are afraid of clowns. It's possible. Yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of that. A lot well, of clown fear. Well, that honk honk going around, man. Colrophobia. Fear of clowns. 
Hmm. I don't suffer that. I would uh, kick that guy in the balls for sure. (laughs) It would not keep me from letting my children have a good time. No. Trick-or-treating and such coming up. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's like you post it on social media and get tracked and we'll go down eventually and it'll be another Lane story. I can't wait. But my final story for the Lanes tonight comes from Wisconsin where a man is being remembered for his iconic Halloween displays after falling off a ladder while decorating his house this year and dying. Yeah, his name is Jeff Omen. Oh, that's creepy. A great creepy name. I hear that he threw a killer Halloween party every year, too. I bet. (laughs) I guess uh, that's kind of an awkward one. It's like, yeah, died doing what you love, I guess. Um, Too bad, though. The old legendary Halloween uh, decorator. Succumb to a ladder. Almost seems like uh, pure pottery. Pure pottery, I like that. Pure pottery. Well, uh, one last strike for him on the way out. How about that? Well, here's to you, Jeff Oman. That's right. Gone but not forgotten. Keeping it spooky. Even when, uh, the ladder's stacked against you. Oof. Rough. F's in the chat for Mr. Omen. Uh, speaking of the chat, come chat it up with us on Friday. We're hanging out with Toontin Mousy Bear again. Always a grand time. You're not going to want to miss it. And of course, we're going to be here next Tuesday and the Tuesday after that and the Tuesday after that. Because that's how Bowl After Bowl works. Coming at you again and again. Week after week, Bowl After Bowl putting it out there for you to pick it up till next time bowlers you can count on me to remain Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City and I will always be Dame DeLorean till I see you in the bowl again may your bowls burn ever brighter